Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, amateur radio call sign, Kilo India 6, November Alpha Zulu. And I'm Leia, KN6NWZ. And we like to talk about ham radio, among other things. So come along with us, won't you? making dumb faces and saying dumb things when I started out to see if I can make Leia laugh. Leia, how are you doing on this fine, fine week? I, I'm really good, except this morning I tried to do something really nice for you, which was brew oh my God, this your was so much funny. coffee for this you. This is so funny. And I just want to know, like, is there anything that you do? That isn't just ridiculous at but all times? There is a TikTok sound. That's like something like, I don't know how to like things a little. Yeah. <laughs> right? if no, I, I don't. I don't. If I get into something, I get it. I have to be all in. All in. Right? Okay. So Josh bought a pour over. It, what, what's the... It's a Haro V60. Okay. And he purchased it's this... It's a simple carafe with a little cup that you mm-hmm. put a paper filter in. Sure. And you put coffee into it. Sure. And actually, Sounds easy. I, I bought this as a direct byproduct of you buying that hot water kettle. Well, that I hot water kettle, hot water kettle you could have for got, my tea. You could have got any kind of hot water kettle, but you got a long-necked hot water kettle. Those long necks are specifically for pour-over coffee. But they are you, also very aesthetically pleasing. Sure, but you could use any hot kettle to pour water into mm. a mug for coffee. I didn't see one I liked. Okay, so that's aesthetics. Function. So that's uh, aesthetics of it. But you bought that. That is legit like coffee <laughs> pour over kettle. So I bought a coffee pour over kettle. And that's like a, I don't know, $30? I think it's like 30 bucks for that that pour over kettle. Right. It'll it's get it's you way cheaper than the Chemex. The Chemex is like oh, ridiculously yeah. And expensive. I would argue that the V60 makes a better cup. That's, I, you I know just what? said a thing. I, There's people in there right now that are like, what? I believe you because you watched that coffee guy yes. on YouTube religiously. What is his channel called? I don't know. I keep talking. I'll look him up. <clears throat> but He looks like a coffee guy. He looks like he would be an overly educated barista oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at an independent coffee shop. And his home is essentially his coffee lab. And all he does is test a different coffee James makers. Hoffman. He even sounds like a coffee guy. Yeah. <laughs> with a name like James Hoffman. He has this thing called the ultimate V60 technique. We're, I, I think we're dancing around it a little bit. You, I heard the grinding of the coffee. You did this to me um, before. You made me the V60. Okay, so it sounds really easy that you no. should just be able to like wet the paper. You, yeah, right? you got that part. And you wet the grounds and then you like kind of fill it and then it's supposed to just extract coffee. It seems very simple. No. And then you told me patently that I did it wrong. <laughs> I, I, I said, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> I, I really do appreciate the effort. Thank you for grinding the coffee, although you did that wrong too. And then I had to this is show not, this you. This is not a good moment for us. <laughs> and, well, I, and I said, I, I, I appreciate the effort. I don't like the way you brew the coffee. I'll show you how I do it. You literally said, if you want to do it correctly, I'll show you how, right. but don't make it that way again. <laughs> For me. If yeah. you want to make it yourself, that's fine. I have I make no problem with that. tea. Yeah, and I, I've got my own matcha ritual. Yeah, so. Yes, you do. You've yeah. got your own thing with the little bamboo whiskey thing. But I think once I started like busting out the scale, and then I'm like, 
taking the coffee. The scale was fine. And I actually did the scale measurements. It's really simple. You took out a timer. <laughs> yeah. So you use a timer too. So you, the basic ratio is 16 to 1. 16 parts water for every one part coffee. So for roughly 30 grams of coffee, I use about 500 grams of water. Get that to about 200 degrees. Grind up the coffee to medium-ish. I adjust it until I get like a grind that I like per the coffee. It changes depending on the coffee you use. You put the coffee in the wetted paper V60. And for about 45 seconds, um, pre-45 seconds, so you do all this before you hit 45 seconds, you put anywhere between 40 to 70 grams of water on the ground. That's the bloom, everybody. saturating the ground. It's the bloom. Just, and then I, while it's <laughs> blooming, you, um, you, you, you make like a circle with the, with the carafe so that it spins around on the inside like a little tornado. <laughs> okay? Then you let that sit for 45 seconds. Then you hit it with about 150 to 200 grams of hot water for about another minute and 30 or about a minute. If you can do it faster, better. Um, But anyway, and then that final um, little bit is just really just keeping it going until you get to about 500. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is what it's like living with Josh? Yes. Um. (laughs) I don't ask you to make my coffee. I, I make my coffee. I know. I was trying to help you, you and make your morning easier. I like making my coffee. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's well, a part of my off day. The table. Yeah. I will well, stick. Thank to- you for grinding it. Yeah. And and the warming of the water takes the longest out of the whole process. So thank you for pushing that button. I'll, I'll just stick I'm to packing the craft. your vitamins for you. I guess. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, with that intro, geez, five minutes in. Welcome to the Ham Radio Crash. Six minutes. Welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course <laughs> podcast. We started out by saying we like talking about ham radio, and then spent six minutes talking about coffee. So that's a, a lot of fun for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for. St- that's how we know the hardcore fans. If we scared them off in the first six minutes, what the hell is this? I'm here for radio. This is not the coffee crash course. This is not the coffee crash course. And I'm sure there are some big, big coffee podcasts out there. And I'm not trying to hone in on their uh, territory. Oh, we've got a coffee pot, too. And Well, we've got like ham radio operators that are way more coffee like forward than I am. Like they put coffee in their channel names, right? Yeah. Right. And then like Steve, uh, Ham Radio Outdoors, good game, as we like to call him. Yeah. Uh, he's got Ham Radio, Coffee and Ham Radio, right? Like that's his show. That's what it's right, called. Right. So, you know, not trying to hone in any of markets. Uh, right. Adjacent but you do, you do like that one espresso maker that you take on the on the trail with mm-hmm. you. The Pipa Mocha? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anything the, 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 by Wacoco. that. Wacoco. Wacoco. is the company. The yeah. Pipa Mocha is the coffee. I did a review of that and the uh, Nano Presso and the Micro Presso. The Pipa Mocha is not an espresso maker. It is purely a uh, drip coffee. It's an is, extraction. So what's better? Your overly involved. Oh, the V60 is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to backpack a V60 out into the field. I guess you could, but... It's um, glass. <laughs> no, but I mean, you only really need that uh, that top plastic part. You could put that on top of a cup. Oh, a that's mug. true. You could do that mm-hmm. on a mug. Mm-hmm. I, do have a, I do have a portable burr grinder. I actually have like two. You are being so obnoxious right now. I can't even. (laughs) I bought really cheap ones. They're like super cheap on Amazon. Okay. All right. And they're like a backpack (laughs) with the portable espresso maker that I have. I mean, that's also a little douche. Yeah, exactly. A little bit. Okay. Sorry. We're going to get started with the ham radio. I'm embarrassed. (laughs) Speaking of the ham radio, we'd like to kick off the ham radio crash course with the ham radio minute. 
Never a minute. And because this is the month of field day, and this is where I need the soundboard where I can like push something and do like, like a lightning crash. Field day, field day, field day. You've got sad field day news. And we're not going to talk about that right now because nobody knows. Nobody knows what? Well, no one knows what I'm planning. For field day? For field day. I know, I know what's happening on field day. You know what's happening to me at field day. You don't know what I'm going to do on field day. This does not sound good. That's right. Hang on to your butts. Please don't tell all me you have butts. something planned for field day. I have all kinds of things planned for field day. How will you accomplish your field day plans? Well, we're going to have to talk about that off the podcast. I don't know. I feel like we should talk about it on the podcast. I think as we get closer. I'm getting very nervous right now. I think as we get closer, we'll, we'll, we'll start to talk about it a little bit more. Anyway, because we're continuing the field day preps discussion, uh, I want to talk about the big thing about field day. You know, there's plenty of people that go like lone wolf. They'll go on the field and mm-hmm. they'll just activate on their own. Mm-hmm. Have a lot of fun. That's great. That's fantastic. But a lot of times with field day, people are going out with clubs with their friends, big groups, whatever. Camp out. Camp out. Big time for camp out. Great time for a camp out. End of June. Perfect time. The big thing to keep in mind is, particularly with HF, you're going to be putting all, well, VHF, UHF too. You're going to be putting all these radios up in the air. And they all need to be activated within a certain space if you're using a club call sign. They can't just be like you at one person at home, the other person in Ohio. It it has to be centrally located. Well, last year's field day was special because you could operate from anywhere. Right, right. So what I would like to recommend to everybody is plan your band utilizations appropriately. If you have a technician, for instance, that technician should be devoted 10 meters. Just give them 10 meters. That's your band. Good luck. And actually, I'm hoping 10 <laughs> meters is going to be good this year. Um, it's only going to get better from here on out, guys. Everybody. And then kind of have everybody pick a band. Daytime band, nighttime band, maybe even a gray line Why band. did you say it's only going to get better from here on out? Because the sun, sun cycle's peaking up. Oh, we're, I we're, see. We're going to peak sun cycle in like 25. 2025 is going to be like peak. Peak All sun right. cycle. Okay. So have a band plan, or I think 2025. Anyway. Have a band plan. Have everybody sign up for the band they want. Have appropriate antennas for those bands. Try to get efficient antennas. Try to get them... Efficient's the right word. But here's what's happening. When you have that many radios, even if they're like on an adjacent band, if you're putting out a lot of power, they're going to interfere with each other like crazy. So make sure you've got ferrites and toroids in your kit. Make sure that all your feed lines and powers have all the ferrites and toroids, noise suppression. Check this stuff out beforehand, particularly on your station, particularly um, if you have like a 7300 like a, an SDR-based sensitive receiver-transmitter combo. Make sure that you go pretty hog-wild with the, the noise suppression. And you may even want to consider bandpass filters. Bandpass filters can get very expensive, though. That might be a good club purchase. Just keep that in mind. Bandpass filters are a great thing. So keep that in mind. Uh, make sure you got a band plan. Live the band plan. Love the band plan. Wow. Okay, Leia, what are we drinking this evening? It's V60 coffee. No. Because I'm going to be up for the next four hours. We're drinking the, what? how would you pronounce that? Ooh. Unta. Uinta. Uinta? Yunta. Yunta. Y- it's U-I-N-T-A brewing. And this is the 
Peppermint Patty Limited Release Pastry Stout made with lactose and natural flavors. This is a fun bottle. It has declinations like a compass along the exterior of the bottle, like in the glass. And oddly enough, this is a really, I think this is a fun podcast beer. This is brewed in Salt Lake City, Utah. But the alcohol, the A, um, the alcohol, alcohol by volume is 8.5% alcohol. Meaning this is brewed in Salt Lake City specifically for non-Utah markets. That's so crazy. It's an export. It's a Utah export. It tastes like a York peppermint patty. It does. And it and a stout too. Mm-hmm. This is not a beer for everybody. This is a Christmas beer. This is a you this is like you mm-hmm. right after Thanksgiving. I'm gonna have just my peppermint day drinking mocha these beers. At eight point five. ABV. I'm gonna, I'm gonna day drink these. That's right. <laughs> Just until I feel the season. I like it though. It's because good. I really do like York peppermint patties. You do so much. Leia told me one time. I asked Leia. I was like, "What's your favorite like over the counter candy? Like when you go to a gas station? Like when you're a kid? What kind of candy would you get?" And she just square straight faced looked at me and said, "York peppermint patty." And I went, "The one that's like the size of a sewer." manhole cover that huge york peppermint <laughs> patty that no one buys in the in the gas station and you're like yeah i also like almond joys which, which is just is. like <laughs> the least favorite candies that anyone has ever seen my, in a gas station my family uh used to get together when we were kids um all of my cousins we would get together and go trick-or-treating together no matter what day of the week it was so we literally had cousins coming right, up right. from san diego yeah. or coming down from like northern california mm-hmm. and and they're rolling we, deep, like 20-plus kids. Yeah. yeah. And so then Big at family. the end, we would trade candy, mm-hmm. right, for what everybody liked. And nobody After we cleared out the Costco. <laughs> nobody would even need to trade me for the Almond Joys. They'd be like, take them. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. You don't, you don't have to trade me for them. I don't want them. <laughs> this is trash. <laughs> I, um, I love Almond Joy. I love Almond Joy. No question. Mounds are fine, too. But... I do like a York peppermint patty, but I will always take something over a York peppermint patty. I'll always take a Snickers or a Kit Kat. Oh, it's just or a, a 100 grand. It's such 100 a blast grand like of peak. freshness. I used to like Andy's a blast mints, too. of freshness. Andy's about, mints. Do you this remember reminds me of Andy's mints, this yeah. beer. That's exact, or the after eight mints. I never had an after eight until a, like a couple of years ago. We got a box as a gift. Okay. For Christmas. Right. And I was like... This reminds me of how much I like York peppermint patties. What about Junior Mints? Yeah, Junior Mints too. That was my uh, my movie theater candy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and you're calling me a nerd? <laughs> you like? Well, I I passed up the Jujubes and went with the Junior Mints. <laughs> Felt like I was gonna get a zinger in the mouth all movie long. <laughs> the moving pictures were satisfying. <laughs> that and uh, Reese's Pieces. That's fine. I mean, it's pretty esoteric for a candy, but that's fine. Oh, whatever, man. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm not. I don't have some elaborate York peppermint patty opening and consuming method that requires me to time how long it takes me to get through a percentage of the patty. Of course not. It's a it's a gas station candy. That'd be ridiculous. 
Well, you can buy the short peppermint patty, see, but you're going to take this 30-page manual <laughs> to enjoy it properly. you got to go to a movie picture show. Pay for the five and dime. <laughs> That's a Disney what? reference. That's why she laughed. Okay. Take your sweetheart to the five and dime. I don't know what that turned into like Bob Hope at the end there. <laughs> it's a little weird. Okay. Very good. I don't remember what we're doing right now. Uh, okay, that's right. Join the conversation by leaving a review on iTunes for the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast. And by the way, the link is in the description for all of our, our things that we do. You can always go to hamradiocrashcourse.com, also hamtactical.com, which is the merch store that Leia runs. It's... We'll talk about that later, but we just finished the YouTube Ham Fest, and we have a special merch shirt that came out from that, and uh, the new 49 to 1 Arc Reactor shirt, which... The Unun. The Unun that we collabed on. Uh, we're going to have to go back and look and... Do you, do you already find out who was the one who uh, submitted that? Yeah, it's Chris. Chris. Way mm-hmm. to go. Chris... W-A-W-O-T? Chris? No, not oh. uh, Chris... Uh, Chris... Uh, W9TSB. So he's going to get a merch for suggesting that. Thank you so much for doing that. Yes, thank you. And if you want to reach out to us, make sure you hit us up at Leah at hamtactical.com. We love your comments, your merch ideas, and we love your questions. Ham radio questions or your favorite V60 method is always a... (laughs) But we do like to hit right up at the top. I want to say a big thank you to everybody that gives us a review over on iTunes. It's kind of the heavy hitter in the podcast scene. So if you if your podcast gets reviews over on iTunes, it ranks well. People find it, find new interesting things, hopefully find the hobby, get licensed. It helps everybody out. At least that's what I say. It so, helps Josh's mission in getting everybody into ham radio. Normalizing the hobby. That's right. <laughs> so we appreciate the five-star reviews, but any review is fine. And if you leave a written review... We will read it on the podcast, which is what I'm going to do right now. Yay, We've got we have a review. One, one review. Yay, thank hey, you. I appreciate thank it. Thank you it's in awesome. advance. Fun and informative from Video Guy 1513. These two make learning about ham radio fun. I passed my tech in general last year thanks to Josh's videos, and now I enjoy the podcast while studying for my extra. Keep nice. up the hard work. We all enjoy what you do. D.E. K9XJT73. Hey, thank you so much and congrats on your license and good luck yeah. on uh, on getting your extra. Thank you video guy. We appreciate I think that's the 2 years away from me. Yeah, at least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> at least. Okay, very good. So Leia, what uh, what have you been using this week? Well, actually, it's more about what you've been using. You messed up your back really badly. I did. I messed up my back, and I've been using... Well, we talked about that a little bit on the last podcast. But I ended up getting an electro-stim. We already had one of those, Mm -hmm. but I got another one. Because the other one was was really old, and the battery contacts were all screwed up because somebody left the batteries in there. And I've been using an inversion table. Yes. Which is like where you flip upside down. Yes. And hang there. And like it's supposed to... So decompress uh, yeah. your back is the is the thought exactly. So I pulled it out for you pretty much right away when you were like, "My back is not good." Yeah, and then I used it this week, mm-hmm. 
it is amazing at relieving back pressure. Just yeah, I talked to the doctor about that. I'm like, hey, you know, when I told him about the electrostim heating pad, he's like, oh yeah, do all those things. And I was like, I've got an inversion table. He's like, oh, you have an you have an inversion table. And I'm like, yeah, is it all right? Does it actually do, you know what? Oh, you were trying to find out whether or not it was quack science. Yeah, I wanted to know if it was woo, because I'm a big (laughs) anti-woo person. And he's like, well, he's like, the thing to keep in mind is that it may, it may help decompress. Yeah. The problem is, is that your back is just like a bundle of muscle that is constantly desiring to keep everything contained. Mm -hmm. So even if you did get to a point where your back was relaxed enough that it like decompressed a bit, Mm -hmm. your, your muscles are just not allowing that Mm -hmm. release kind of, if you will. He said, but what it's really good at is strengthening your core, believe it or not. Huh. Because you're stretched and the weight is pulling in a way that your core doesn't really work normally, that um, it it stretches you out as much as it helps kind of work up that area, which is also good for your back, he said. So he's like, yeah. He's like, if you can handle it, most people can't handle it. It's great. But you said that you got into it and you hit a point where you felt everything decompress. No, I just felt more relaxed. Mm. I felt taller. No, it, it, it's not like that. It, it's more of a like the the pain is reduced because it's it, it feels like swollen, and then you kind of get up on it. And I will kind of like rock back and forth a little bit, yeah, until I'm kind of just floating in space there mm-hmm. and just hang. Uh, and that seems to help a little bit. I think it's really good for um, for creativity. If that sounds weird. Yeah, because all the it does. Blood this podcast is, is weird today. This episode is like weird. rushing to your brain. You're you know? like overclocking your brain. With yeah, blood is what you're yes. saying. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So this I, is like I'm trying to. You're gonna hit me with a hey Amazon's gonna trimpaneering kit that I was uh, gonna check out. <laughs> a what? Trimpaning. What's trimpaneering? What? What? It's where you uh, pop a hole in your skull. What? Yeah. No. It's supposed to increase mental capabilities. Oh, man. I did do the cupping on you. And you were like, this is definitely woo. This and I'm is like, super do woo. Not, <laughs> do not laugh in the face of Eastern medicine. Then I go to the doctor and I'm like, I'm willing to try anything at this point. And I said, see? And he goes, oh. <laughs> and you're like, my He's wife like, is how'd Chinese. That, how'd that go for you? I'm like, well, my wife is Chinese. <laughs> if I say I'm feeling ill, she chases me with them. <laughs> Yes. It doesn't work. All right. Well. <laughs> All right, Leah, what's uh, what's going on in your preparedness corner this week? It's actually going to be really short. I'm oh, going okay. to recommend that the cheapest way, and I think I mentioned it before, but I really want to emphasize now, especially as we're heading into summer, mm-hmm. um, that the cheapest way to get water storage, which you should have a ton of, yes. right, uh, is by... One, reaching out to whoever your local water treatment might be. Mm-hmm. And they usually will give you these drums, right? They're We're talking about safe. plastic 55-gallon yeah. food-grade Fi- drums. Yes. Specifically, food-grade. Yes. They can start out food-grade, then have chemicals put in them by whomever, and they mm-hmm. cease to be food-grade. Right. You need to be careful with that. That's why for water treatment... That's what they put in it is fine. You don't know what they're putting in the water. Could be lithium. Then oh, you'll be super man. relaxed. <laughs> or have the worst headache of your entire life. <laughs> Just for the first day. 
And then you'll be good. <laughs> and then you'll like it. Um, Maybe like, where's my water? The other surprising place that you can get these food grade uh, barrels is actually if you have any vape production. I was just going to say vape places. Yep. Yeah, because they actually buy those flavor additives. You're talking about the manufacturers of vape. Not, you can't be like bust into a retail store for vapes and be like, where's your 55 gallon drums of vape juice? (laughs) I want an empty one. For my preps. We have a lot of uh, vape juice companies in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in Southern California. Yeah, we do. And a lot of them may not actually um, do this, but some very industrious people mm-hmm. have started talking to the guys who go and pick up these drums. And they're right. like, well, what do you do with the drums after you pick them up from us when they're emptied? Right, right. They're like, oh, we just trash them because it's not worth for us to recycle. Right. And so, the guy who worked at that vape company said, "Do you want to? Do you want to form an alliance with me? A vape alliance, (laughs) a VGPG alliance. That's no, it's a TikTok sound. Do you? It's it's the office, like where? Oh, yeah." Dwight is talking to Jim. Yes, yes. Do you want to form an alliance with me? Yes, definitely I do. <laughs> okay. They sell the drums for like $10. Yeah, but I don't know how they're making any money. Well, it's trash. It, oh. <laughs> otherwise, so they have it for free, oh. and they're selling them for $10, and they charge a little bit more for delivery or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, but that's, yeah, that's really... Yeah, like six of them for like 60 bucks, and it was like... I've never seen a deal like this in my entire life. Right. Those right. things usually go for like 50 bucks a piece. Exactly. If you buy them from and like you the have city to go or whatever. Pick them up. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So that is my that tip. That is a hot tip. Yeah. Go and uh, check your <laughs> Facebook and marketplace. Fuck some vape people. Or, or find uh, a vape or flavoring company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, anything like that that deals with food flavorings, food yeah. additives. Uh, large-scale bakeries will have flavor oh, yeah. agents come in that and, you can get them from. And for bakeries and even Walmart, actually, any any place that uses that jelly that goes into donuts. Like that red cherry jelly. Yeah, or blah, whatever blah, blah, flavor. Yeah. You can get food-grade buckets from them. Sometimes they'll just give them to you mm-hmm. for free. And those are good for putting rice in, right. in uh, metallic bags, mylar bags. Yeah, you can seal instead up. of buying the Home Depot buckets for, you know, $5 a piece, you could make all your preps free. This is only acceptable if you are going to go the mylar with the oxygen absorber yeah. inner. Mm-hmm. They do not seal appropriately. Right. The, and, and Homer buckets don't seal appropriately either. Mm-hmm. The point is, is that you're adding an inner layer of vacuum right. saving. In this case, dry rice is not affected by the oxygen absorber, which is really just a packet of iron filings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's acceptable to use uh, those with the with the rice. Sure, yeah, good but tip. Still, yeah. That's a hot tip. Frugal, uh, frugal preparedness. Frugal preps. I like it. All right. Well, that means it's time for. Boy, I'm doing great this podcast. It was fantastic. (laughs) 
Leia's email correspondence corner. It's it's because the peppermint. No, it's not. I'm not so, buzzed at all. It's so refreshing. I'm just. You know, I'm it's, so. I'm so refreshed. It's, it's cooled you to the brain. Yeah. Remember <laughs> the. Uh, remember those peppermint patty commercials. It's like, it's yes. like taking a bite into a York peppermint patty, and then somebody bites it, and they're like, I'm in the French Alps, or the, Swi- no, the Swiss Alps. I'm in the Swiss Alps, and there's somebody playing an Alpen horn ne- next to him. Then it yes. turns into a Ricola tie-in, and you're like, what is even happening? I bet you like Ricola too, don't you? I do like Ricola. Yeah, And there was too. a time early on, I, I don't do this anymore, but I used to be much more active with um, a lifestyle blog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I wrote and uh, my Instagram and everything. And so Ricola once sent me an influencer box. Which was hilarious. And when you opened it, it, it made the Ricola sound. Ricola. <laughs> yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was a massive container of Yeah, Ricola. we had Ricola for literally years because <laughs> I don't know when you take those except for when you have a cough. Oh, I sometimes eat them for fun. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, the first email is from Motorman. Motorman um, asks about farm camping. We discussed a little bit in a past podcast Mm -hmm. um, that we were thinking about doing a retreat at the Ramona uh, campground that we went to. Mm The place is called the Westerbilly Ranch, and they have campsites, but the big deal is that they have a zero noise floor. That is the big deal. I I think you set up and you were so floored by it. I'm like, is this thing even on? (laughs) Is my antenna connected? You did not actually step away from your radio other than to sleep. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I will take all my food at the radio station, please. Thank you. So uh, David actually asked. That's not true, by the way. You're going to give people the wrong impression. That is not true. Oh? I I hung out. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, you definitely hung out. Like, In the evening. On the walk to the bathroom. No. <laughs> hey, how's it going, everybody? Great seeing you. Hope you enjoy the weekend. <laughs> and then the walk back from the bathroom. Hey, it's me course. again. Wow, look at all this quality time. <laughs> hey, let's take a selfie. As I'm 50 feet away screaming at them. All right, you look great. Look great. And every time I brought you a plate of food, yeah, no, it was like, hey, at the end of the stream, I wouldn't hang out with you guys. I know, know. stop (laughs) making me look like a complete monster, a social monster. Did your stream not work? (laughs) Mm -hmm. All kinds of problems. I had the wrong mic selected. That is a total new. People were like, so much wind, so much wind. I'm like, I'm talking into this really nice mic. I I literally had like a buff around the mic and i built like a contrap i built like things around the mic i just had it connected to the laptop microphone that's just swinging in the wind the whole time <laughs> they're like it's not getting better it's not better at all whatever you're doing it's it, it could actually be worse and i don't know oh, what's going on okay well let me try this like the last 10 minutes like oh wrong mic hey i'm an idiot so david asks can I get the contact info of the place you and your family oh, stayed yeah. in fact, with the farm animals? We think we're going to do a camp out there. We've got a crazy idea. We might do that. Yeah, it's not. not I mean, year. it's going to have, yeah, Sometime. not this year. Sometime. Maybe field day next year. Ooh. <gasps> Ooh. Maybe we could do, um, 
We could probably do We for DX. I don't know what you're saying. It's we just for some, DX is the it's like some Hammered words Adventures and Club. letters and <laughs> it's the Hammered Adventures Club. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, not making hey, you Matt. look bad. Hey Matt <laughs> and Carol and yes, really the loyal whole, and many yes, other people. Yeah, the the whole HRCC HRA posse. Mm-hmm. They have a um, activation this weekend. Oh, rare grid square. Yeah. All right. Well, go to hamradeadventures dot com for more information. Yeah. Uh, David says my wife likes to camp at farms. If I remember right, Josh was still able to play radio. I wanted to surprise her with a trip. And bring my Poda radios. Mm, see? That's right. I was looking through the show notes and did not see it. Thanks in advance. Um, David, I'm... Ah. <laughs> go, go ahead and bring your radios. I don't know how happy your wife will be. Because <laughs> nothing is more relaxing than listening to your husband play radio, and then every once in a while there's just a peacock in the background that's going, Ah! <laughs> It's not just one peacock. There's like three, aren't there? Isn't there? Yes. And there was also a macaw. Great. And the, the macaw does fake car alarm noises. And um, and email sounds and cell phone sounds. Yeah. It dings like, a, <laughs> like so you're, you're getting a you're text You're freaking message. out. You're like, I don't even have signal out here. <laughs> so you're panicking trying to get your phone. No, like, there's actually very good signal out there. But, <laughs> you bird. but I was like, I don't even have my phone on me. <laughs> What is this ding coming that ring from? Ringtone since three iPhones ago. Did that pig eat my phone? Because they have a massive pig there, right. Mister Pigglesworth. Uh, so, uh, yes, David, I will drop in this show notes. Uh, but I, I actually already responded to David. But we did, um, we did give the name of the ranch. I did. I I dropped the show on notes a in a previous yeah, yeah. podcast. What, I think maybe a, um, the Westerbilly Ranch. Wester but you've got to get to them through either Airbnb or Hip Camp because they actually do have a guest house that you can rent and a trailer you can rent mm-hmm. and a glamping site in addition to campsites for bring your own trailer. And if tents. you're if you're gonna do the ham radio. Um, and you and you bring in the wife along, and you're trying to keep her happy. The glamping site might be the way to go. Mm. If you want like the best ham radio, then one of the like further out um, campsites is going to be better because you're going to be the further, further away out. From campsites people. will require you to bring your own shade. That is true. Yeah. the The other one has a covering. The the there's one there's one campsite that has a cover. That's the one you were set up under. Yeah. Uh, and there were farther out sites that are more remote, but do not have a cover at all. There's no tree shade either. Right. Yeah. Literally. There's mm-hmm. nothing out there. Yeah, just shrub. Um, and the owner of the Westerbilly Ranch is also a ham radio operator. Yeah, so, so tell him the ham radio crash course sent you if you do end up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and David signs off 73 W3DRE. Thank you so much, David. I hope you and your wife have a wonderful time and that you get some radio in without causing too many problems. <laughs> That's right. The next or email. Just enough problems. <laughs> a manageable amount of problems. Is that really amount. how husbands think? 
It's like, how much can I get away with? This is where Edison yes. gets it. Yes. Do you see? Do you see? No. Edison trying to figure out how much he can get away with before somebody says something. I learned it from watching you. <laughs> like that? Yeah, just like that. The next email is from Kim. It's titled Catalina, two products from last year's YouTubers Hamfest. Whoa. Hi, Leia and Josh. Regarding Catalina camping, and backstory, if you didn't catch the last podcast, we were mm-hmm. talking about taking a camping trip over at Catalina, not the Avalon side, but there's Between White's Harvard's. Landing. Yeah. And they have eco glamping. Right, which you thought was... The most California thing (laughs) to ever hit the word. Well, you don't have to bring your own tent, is essentially it. There's bunk beds and a tent. That's what the eco-glamping is. And there's a shared kitchen area. So you can do your cooking. Eco-camping is going to be like, we took a house and then we hollowed it out. (laughs) We removed the walls and just left the, the, you know, structural poles. (laughs) So there's a bunk bed very eco-friendly because the house is already there we just knocked the walls out yeah yeah now you're camping now you're camping (laughs) so regarding catalina camping there is a campground just behind avalon hermit gulch two night minimum tent camping also there are four soda summits on the island Ooh, look who's in now probably hit look who's that's probably a tough day's work catalina is actually pretty big it is. Yeah. And the terrain is actually not that easy hiking. Either. Yeah. Some of it's like private property. Yeah. You got to fight buffaloes to get to the soda summit. <laughs> this is the buffaloes property. <laughs> Last weekend, I activated East Peak Benchmark. You take the garden to Sky Trail, dirt road behind Wrigley Memorial, and turn left on Trans Catalina Trail, also dirt road, only three miles, but a bit steep for me. Hmm. I thought about begging the EcoTours Jeep for a ride back and probably considered turning around about 10 times. No, good for you. However, I kept on. Well oh, that's done. the best. Yeah, good for you. With its proximity to Los Angeles, even a noob like me, blanketed in the fog, came up with 24 contacts from the summit, mostly on VHF. Wow, good for you. <clears throat> If the children have a lot of energy, the hike might be a good way to release it. Just kidding. Definitely not ben, for Addison. Ben might be able to. Yeah, that's that's He's not getting happening. the age that he can probably hang if we just, you know, he can't really carry anything yet, I don't think. The thing about hiking with kids is you've got to give them enough time to, like, rest. Like, it's not a straight hike. It's like, oh, we're going to stop at this point of interest. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I'm of two minds of it. I think you find the pace that they're good at. And they don't know what the pace is that they're good at. Right. And you just kind of like hold that pace. Because if you stop, then they're going to complain more. No. Okay. So knowing actual people who have taken their kids to... Actual humans. Yes. Real humans. Whoa. Real parents. Whoa. Who have done this repeatedly with Mm. their children. Mm -hmm. The key is actually allowing them to rest and to like explore. Because they're getting no payoff otherwise. Like, if you straight hike a long distance, mm-hmm. they are being forced to pass things that are very interesting to them. <laughs> oh, they okay. Stop I mean, if they legit want to yeah. stop and look at something, then sure. Yeah. It, it's like, Dad, what's that? What's that? I'm like, no sun. Exactly. No sun for 10 miles. <laughs> no sun. No sun. We got to get there. Like, that's just not great for them. 
Uh, Kim continues, I have some pictures, a GPS track and lessons learned from the trip at uh, carry.cx. And I will drop that in Good the job, show notes. Carry, great job. Yeah. Um, if you helicopter into the airport, it's at 1600 feet above sea level and they have a little cafe. The Catalina repeater antennas are mounted on the hangar there. Mount Orizaba is a soda peak behind the airport. That might be an option. Hmm. Suddenly, that helicopter trip is just sounding, an immediate. I mean, but then it's like, sorry guys, so you can't deadly. go to the campsite. Daddy has to activate a summit right now. It's <laughs> kind of a weird, weird play. That's super. Like, that's a power move, though. You're like, get off of a helicopter. And you're like, I'm here now. It's time to activate a summit. And well, even I mean, the we could go like, to the activate campsite. A summit. What is he first? talking about? Will they lend you a golf cart, a golf cart, or an ATV to get up there? <laughs> you wouldn't need that. These are all like one pointers. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, Kim continues. Sure any backcountry soda or hikes require a free permit from the Catalina Conservancy. You can also rent mountain bikes on the island. If you want to use an electric bike in the backcountry to shorten the round trip time frame, you have to bring over. Your own on the ferry. All backcountry bike riding requires a paid permit, good for a year, twenty five dollars, I think. A shout out to Josh for the time when I was a brand new ham and asked him if he thought I was doing something wrong when I couldn't hit the Catalina repeaters with my UV five R Nagoya seven seven one. Oh, he, he gave me some tips, and I was able to make my first repeater contact back in 2018. Oh, that's wow! It's 2018. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. It's a 47 mile contact. Yep, yep. But I'm up at 850 feet above sea level, so it's line of sight. Yep, good for you. Very cool. Well, I'm I'm glad I helped. I I, I kind of do remember that, but man, that's going back. By the way, Catalina Island, four soda summits. Dude, that's what he said. There's three, four. Oh, uh, they're all one points. Oh, so they're easy hikes. So, <laughs> no. I am very confused about the scoring system. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, sometimes one point summits are like the hardest hikes for some reason. Is they there... just go like way long, it seems like. They just go forever, one pointers. So what is the scoring based off of? Prominence. What? Prominence. Is generally the the term they use, and whether or not it has a, a I think a this all needs to be re ranked. It has to be how hard it is to get to the summit. That's a lot of like first hand knowledge, though. Yeah, yeah. Versus using databases that already exist. Dear SodaSummits dot com, I kindly request a <laughs> reassessment. I need of your all mountains <laughs> to get um, nominated and then have three reference letters. <laughs> <laughs> to be included in the soda database that's literally like the most karen move like i want i, I want to interview the mountain <laughs> i want to interview the summit i want to know like what is its motivation <laughs> what how do they vibe in like well, how do they vibe i don't think it would be hard for people to assess the difficulty what does like it matter? other hams what does it matter because the point value is then just like but arbitrary. Hard, but there's hardcore people who are like, I don't care how tall the mountain is if it's never been activated before, even a lowly one pointer, because it's really difficult to get there and you're bushwhacking the whole way. That's somebody's like, that's their jam. All right. Soda goats. Got and, it. Well, no, soda goats just have a thousand points. Yeah. 
Yeah, but different summits. No. You could just go to the same summit over once and over again? Once a year. Ugh. You By go the to way, like the easiest, highest point summit. So I, I think you're making an argument for you getting involved with parks on the air. Parks in the air, you can go to the same park every day and just hammer out contacts until you like climb all the way up. Go to the same park. Boom, boom, boom. boom. Uh, we don't have any state parks close enough. Yeah, we do. You got Chino Hills and then all the beaches. That's not even walkable. <laughs> <laughs> I need a walkable park, really, for me to get in, in, enthused about this. I got to go somewhere where I can get the kids with other kids that they know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a horrible yes. idea. So Kim continues, I'm sure this year's YouTubers Ham Fest will have gone even better than last year. I'm curious about a couple in development products I heard about on last year's YouTubers Ham Fest, but I haven't been able to find an update about it. The MFJ remote antenna switch and the amplifier kit that lets you boost a 5 watt HT up to several hundred watts. Sometime, if an update on those things could be covered on the podcast or streams, that would be of interest to me. Cheers. KC6ARY Kim. And hello from KC6CLC, Carrie. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And Josh is feverishly typing to... uh, I'm guessing to. They had make a couple of notes? items. They also had that um, that that HF mobile antenna that was all. It wasn't a coil. Well, it, it had coils, but it was like electrically band switching. It was really interesting. It was really cool. That um, that MFJ talk was one of the better ones of last year. I remember it. I can actually see the room in my head that they held it in. Huh. That's how vivid I remember that that talk. That was a lot of fun. Okay. It wasn't my talk either. I, I don't remember who did it. I think it might have been. T.O. or um, Jason? You yeah, don't know. It's good. It was real good. Yeah. Might have been Steve, actually. I don't know. Sorry. Keep going. All right. And we email two? What's that? What are we on? Like email number two? Yeah, two. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, this email is titled Pod Stuff Part One, and this is from Greg. Label is part one. Since I'm less than halfway through the podcast, I won't oh. get back to it until after Memorial Day. <laughs> We got a one, <laughs> one email limit. We're going to have to implement a one email limit. I, the podcast is really long, though. So, I mean, you may hit upon a point early on that you really want to get out. And then later on on the podcast, you're like, oh, my God. Well, I it's have a to fortnight later, and I forgot that first email that I wanted to email <laughs> in on. Greg continues, Leia, that boat is probably a pontoon boat. We were We were talking about. Yes. Boats. We were going to get a lot of those emails. Like, yeah. yeah. Pon- it's a pontoon party boat. Yes. We actually rented one, remember, when we yeah. rented it? And we're like, this is not, we're not partying at all. Uh, okay. So one of the parents, or not, yeah, one of the parents whose kid went to school with Edison, uh, she worked at Yamaha and would get free boat rentals from Yamaha as an employee, right? This was not a Yamaha pontoon boat that we No, got. no, no, no. But she loved it so much and then she left yamaha to go work for price waterhouse coopers or something and <laughs> okay. um, and she missed it so much she decided she wants to buy a boat but <laughs> keep in mind she was riding on a pretty fast yamaha like they're more speedy boats they're not than... going to put like the people involved with the company on their crap boats right they're right, not going to be yeah. like 
yeah, here you go. Like, here's a long tom. Have fun. You know, it's not going to be like, it's going to be like a wake, you know, like some kind of yes. jet ski boat. Something yes. fast. Yeah, something yeah. Something glitzy. So, she, she's looking at buying a pontoon boat. And I'm like, you you do realize <laughs> there is a, a vast difference. <laughs> Dude, pontoon boats are legit, though. They're like straight up party boats. And a lot of pontoon, t- pontoon boats will haul ass. Will they really? Oh, yeah. They Hard put like dual outboards on the back of those things and they'll cook. I don't know, man. She also has a Peloton, so. Of course she does. Does she make an antenna on it? That's what I <laughs> So, hey. <laughs> just, Can we get this on your uh, roof? <laughs> just go ahead and uh, just jot down her address. We need <laughs> after the apocalypse where we go to collect the Pelotons. Yes. <laughs> That's right. The Peloton list. Mm, yes. Okay. So, uh, yes, I was talking about a pontoon boat. It's a fun yes, time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Greg continues. <laughs> Incoming pontoon emails. So Josh mentioned that the problem with a longer podcast is that you guys record after the kids go to bed. So it occurs to me that there are six more days of the week that the kids are in bed. Just saying. <laughs> what? As like in, record the podcast over three days? Uh, or I, I, I guess... <laughs> there's not like a special day where it's day or it's night most of the time and they sleep the whole time this is in alaska in alaska you report the podcast during the time that there is no sun you just record them boom boom boom, boom one after another <laughs> yeah i'm a reverse hibernator i only sleep when it's day because i was recording the podcast <laughs> while everybody was asleep at night so greg continues the rfi in the house is the smart meter you guys are concerned that nobody will listen when you complain about rfi from the smart meter since josh has already wrapped it in foil it's only a matter of time before the power company has to send out a technician to get a reading eventually they will get tired of it costing them to send out a tech and uh, they will start to listen to josh about the problem 73, Greg, and since people are still bitching about people not doing the NATO phonetic alphabet, and 3 GDS 93NUWC. Good. Well, they're going to have to listen to me because um, I'm going to call them and <laughs> be like, hey, this thing spits out a ton of noise. I, they'll listen to you, but will they do something about it? Well, they did something last time. I'm not like, you know, I, we talked about that when we were having the, the power line noise. I'm very nice. Yeah, you're not a Karen at all. You're, no, I'm, I'm very nice when I talk yeah. to people because it's like, what is the fastest way to not get what you want? Piss somebody off. Like, right? right. I mean, you just, you got to appeal to everybody's sense of, of being a human being. I know they didn't make the meter do this. They're the one answering the phone on the other end. Sure. And they're probably disconnected by like three people. Before but you it gets will somebody... hunt down the person who is responsible. Physically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The next email is titled HRCC t-shirt, a t-shirt idea. And this is from Thomas. HRCC t-shirt idea from podcast 52821 at 217.51. Leia says the slogan, t-shirt, logo, and slogan, whatever and ham radio. <laughs> what? 
I think I said in reference to um, in, uh, something in the podcast was whatever and Hab Radio. <laughs> that is the slogan for the podcast yes, a little bit. it's true. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah. And uh, his call is AD6TW. Thank you Thank so you, much Thomas. for that idea. If we make that shirt, you will get one. Uh, the next email is titled, Hello. Hello, Josh and Leah. And this is from uh, Jeremiah. Hello, Josh and Leah. First of all, thank you both for the time and passion you both invest, not only in this podcast, but also the YouTube channel. There are many channels out there, but what really stands out to me is the genuine others-centeredness, which drives the mission of the HRCC community to create an inclusive environment which brings together all people of all skill levels and interest into and under the umbrella. Ah, thank you. I appreciate that. Those are such kind words. Thank you. well said for how I feel, so thank you. My interest was quickly piqued after watching a few of your videos, and I quickly set my goal to obtaining my ham license. After months of studying and my children and wife asking, what are you doing on your phone? Reading a study guide, taking a practice test? I successfully passed my Canadian basic amateur exam with honors. Ooh, with honors. That's the word I'm looking for. Right on. Good for you. What, what does that mean? With honors? They get more bands in Canada. That's an amazing system. Yeah, I, well we talked done. about this. Yeah. We talked about this. Yeah, this is the I kind of system you can get behind. If yeah. you're an A plus student, you get more ham radio. Yes. Yeah. Uh, v- oh, what just happened? I don't know. That's your iPad. Why did? Why did it do that? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My screen just went blank. Oh, I know why. Ah, okay. So my screen died because my (laughs) battery was low. (laughs) You know they do that. Well, it came back. Sneak right up you and bite you. It flashed. So I remember once I took a screenshot on my phone and I didn't crop out my battery meter and I was like just on my last sliver. Oh man, people get so anxious. (laughs) I posted it to staff chat on uh, the Discord. (laughs) And I was like, I have to preface this by saying, I know my battery is low. I charged it right after. Just focus on the content. Yeah. They can't, though. My favorite is when I post something and has my number of notifications. People <laughs> lose their ever-loving mind when they see the number of notifications I have in my email that it just unanswered notifications. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Sure. I mean, I like to think of it that you have a lot of junk mail. I, you know, that's <laughs> sure <laughs> that that's it. Uh, so Jeremiah's call sign is VE3 EJN. Josh and Leah, your YouTube videos. Oh, those are not my YouTube videos. Leah's <laughs> hard at work in the YouTube salt mines, <laughs> mining the greatest content for you. <laughs> We're encouraging as well as eye-opening as to what can be done with ham radio. Eye-opening. That's a yeah. I appreciate that. That's nice. The podcast provides some much-needed levity and laughs at the end of each week. The, for the record, I listen at one-time speed and do not mind the length. Hashtag. Thank you, one Jeremiah. One time crew. <laughs> one X crew. The one X crew. <laughs> Josh, to further provide 
um, explanation to your earlier correspondence from another Canadian ham in regards to licensing. There are two levels, advanced, which is similar to the US extra and basic. This level is quite similar to the general and tech levels. The basic exam has two possible outcome for text, test takers, scoring 80 under 80%, but over 70% allows the Canadian, uh, the candidate to access VHF, UHF bands only. The candidate has the option of passing a Morse proficiency test, uh, five words per minute, to unlock the bands a basic with honors license holder has access to. Mm -hmm. Scoring 80% or over allows the candidate to access all the bands immediately this is the preferred outcome. Yeah. yeah. But that's like getting over 80%. So that's not that's not too far of a bridge to cross. Yeah. Leia is less happy now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 80%, guys. <laughs> oh, come on. That's a B average. <laughs> that's like that's like a C. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a B, but like if a C is like failing, then like a B is like C's a not C. failing. I know, in my mind, <laughs> see, is. Apparently, you never went to college. <laughs> I I absolutely went to college. I got a couple. I got plenty of C's. Okay. <laughs> Please don't tell our children that, okay? That's just, <laughs> it's not a conversation I want to be having. <laughs> if it's all right, I would like to give it a shout out. Uh, give a shout out to the Kitchener Waterloo Amateur Radio Club for putting on the course. Nice name. As well as the instructors, Vic, V-E-3-Y-T, and Roger, V-E-3-R-K-S. Thank you, Josh and Leah, so much for all you do for Ham Radio 73, Jeremiah, V-E-3-E-J-N. Thank you so much for writing in and for all the really kind and... uh, Heartwarming words. Yes, congratulations. Uh, the next email is titled HRCC and Becoming a New and Updated Ham. And this is from Mike. Hey, Josh, been listening to the podcast with the other person you have on there. Oh, the tables have turned. Oh, how the turns have tabled. <laughs> And also watching many hours of your videos on YouTube Mm -hmm. and wanted to drop an email and say, I appreciate the content. I passed my general exam on Saturday, May 1st, 2021. Congratulations. And have only had my technician since March 13th, 2021. Wow, congratulations. Well done. Good. Good for you. Your info and social media streams helped me quite a bit, and I wanted to say thank you. I have started my own YouTube channel under the pseudo- ham solo and wanted to include a link here to show how i am building a ham shack from zero to everything over several episodes i think i have around six to seven episodes now and continue to record and publish as i add new things i will be testing for my amateur extra as well in july well that's That's awesome awesome. good for you good luck on your extra exam and uh ham solo i will drop your channel link in the show notes and this is mike k0 fyr very good mike this is really nice congratulations and you know it's one of the interesting things that i hear a lot is that despite the fact that this is not 
only about ham radio. It is. Uh, it's a whole conversation about a lot of things. What are uh, you talking about? <laughs> the the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, people feel like it keeps them involved in the hobby because they like tuning in to hear everything, right? Sure. Okay. And being a part of this conversation that we have with the email correspondence tower and everything like that keeps them feeling like they're a part of the community and keeps them using ham radio, which I think is so nice. So yeah, thank you. I, I love that. And I, thank you for doing it. I really appreciate it. Drop us a review on iTunes. <laughs> uh, but with that said, I, hopefully we're, we're getting out of the COVID times and people will start like going to club meetings again and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's important too. Yeah, I really do. Uh, ham radio is not like, a one-stop shop, one location that you go to. Like, there's so many interesting facets of it with interesting people. And we really do need to get back to local clubs and having fun with them when possible. So, sure, assuming that you can where you live. Yeah, and that your local club is nice and welcoming. Right. Assuming that's all a thing. Yeah. Otherwise, we're, we're right here for you. Yeah. But I mean, also keep in mind, it's not that easy to uh, head out to a club meeting, you know, to fit it in your schedule between everything. But you can listen to the podcast anytime. You can get onto the Discord or Facebook at any time. You know, there's always somebody there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I'm with you. The next email is titled CB Radio Correspondent. And this is from Drew. Hello, Leanne, Josh. First... I want to thank you both again for the quality of podcast. I think Josh may have hit on something during one of the follow-up discussions about rebranding ham radio with regards to normalizing the idea. That is, being able to incorporate it into regular discussions, much like your ham, uh, much like your podcast discusses various topics, which all seem to come back around in some way to ham radio. This is where I have to admit I have a hard time watching some of Josh's YouTube videos, but the podcast is no big deal to make it through whether you shore it up or not. So thanks for that. Oh, hmm. okay. that's so nice. Yeah, I, I mean... There's no context on why he doesn't watch the videos? I don't understand, because I don't talk about other random stuff? I think that you That's a tough road to hoe. <laughs> uh, because uh, on the on the off chance that I start, like, blabbering too much about things that are adjacent to ham radio, mm-hmm. that pisses people off mm-hmm. so bad. And then if I make it only about ham radio and have no blabbering then people you know then you get the email like this it's like well i don't think your content is dry it's just and i i understand this because if you're well the live streams venture out a bit Mm -hmm. it's not it's not that your videos aren't watchable they're definitely watchable but i think a lot of very offended no (laughs) i'm not i'm a lot of people, including myself, when you're just entering, like you're just in the technician space, you, I mean, I have a better idea of the breadth of ham radio, mm-hmm. but if you're just starting, it's overwhelming, the oh, amount no, of yeah. technical detail. No question. And I think you do a really good job of creating a variety of content, right? The The Saturdays are like club meetings. I mean, that's kind of the idea, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you do a standalone video, which is straight and to the point. Right. 
You literally there. cannot make anybody happy on YouTube. <laughs> right. So, well, I think plenty of people are happy. Just you know the people, I mean. the, yeah. the people who complain the most do it repetitively. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and then we do the podcast, which is and really... people complain about that. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast. It's not enough ham. To, <laughs> no ham at all. <laughs> like and turkey. The, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Drew continues next I want to thank Josh for the confirmation of sanity with regards to the lightning and physics and antennas I feel like I understand how lightning works and that really the only way to keep equipment safe is to simply ensure it's grounded and unhook it no shortcuts no wizardry just the same things that keep all kinds of other equipment safe. Yeah, and again, I'll restate. If you have a really good ground system as close to the antenna as possible, if for some reason lightning chose to use your antenna as a path to ground, it will take that path to ground. But lightning has a lot of power behind it. Sure. And it's going to explore all the other wires as it goes to ground. It's Mm -hmm. It's like if you had a fire hose. And you had a funnel, right? And that funnel was pretty big and was aiming in a certain direction. You turn the fire hose on directly. Most of that water is going to go through the hole at the end of the funnel. But a lot of it's going to splash back and all around and all that other stuff. Well, Mm -hmm. that other stuff is your feed line to your your radio, um, whatever is adjacently connected to your radio, etc. The best thing to do is just unplug it. Unplug Mm -hmm. your radio. Just totally disconnect it. Remove it from the entire system. And, And... Everyone should do that when there is a storm overhead and you get lightning in your area. Yes. You should do this. Is, is that something I should be doing when there's a lightning storm while you're at work? Well, I said lightning in your area. <laughs> we in uh, Southern California, where we live, we have like a extremely low lightning strike potential. Extremely low. Why? Don't know. We don't, well, I'm sure there's a reason. I don't know it. It's because there are so many other things to attract the lightning. Okay. Well, Drew C- continues. Likely because we get very little rain to begin with, and lightning is already rare within storms. That's true. Depending on where you're at. We don't have a lot of humidity either. I think that's part to play. Sure. Drew continues, now I want to switch over to a discussion in the last podcast, May 28th, 2021, regarding CB as a starting point for ham. I see a lot of reasons why it might or might not be a good place to start. And Josh seemed to have very mixed feelings about telling someone to buy a CB instead of a fang. So here it goes. Wait, wait, hold on. Let me, I need to, I need to add this in right now. That was not my mixed feelings. I tell people to buy CBs if it is the appropriate answer for what they're looking to do. I have no problem talking about the value of CB radio. That wasn't my point. The The email from last week or the week before was that ham mentors should also mentor for CB. I don't necessarily agree. If that mentor is also a CBer, then he would be the right person to mentor for both. Okay. I am not a mentor for CB. I was a shortwave listener before mm-hmm. I became a ham radio operator. I am not necessarily a good person to mentor for CB. Okay. See, we already we already covered in this email. Ham radio is hard enough. 
We don't mm. need to also then like, well, let's pick up CB and teach everybody about CB too. It, 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 you know what I mean? Like it's just sure. how how diluted do you make your con your your knowledge that you're trying to transfer? Well, Drew's going to make an argument right now. Okay, so Go here ahead, it Drew. goes. Here we go. The real attraction to having a general ticket is, yes, HF. The great thing about HF is when the bands are open, sun, uh, the bands open up, sun cycles, you can talk all around the world. Sun cycle propagation on 10 meter and 12 meter is the stuff of legend. And CB is, that's right, 11 meter. So at this moment, my base station is picking up New Jersey from a 30 northwest of Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Nashville, sorry. I don't know how I pronounce it. <laughs> uh, just this month, I've made contacts from New Orleans to Quebec, all using a simple and inexpensive ground plane, which I'm lucky enough to have on a 40-foot guide mast in the front yard, and my wife hasn't complained about it. Well, good for you. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. I don't think Leo will let you put up a mast in the front yard from what I hear on the podcast. Drew, you are correct. Now, what about a flagpole, though? Could we put a flagpole up? That's a good question. Can I put up an arbor? Next to the flagpole? Okay. This okay. is... All we'll right. We're, we're headed into negotiations we'll now. We'll I, w- I was never anti-arbor. Well, I also want to put a security camera on the arbor. I just don't know how we feed said security camera unless it's going to be Wi-Fi. With yeah, solar. Wi-Fi and solar. No, you find one that will hit our Wi-Fi, and then we'll talk. Yeah, I want it to face the street so I can see the license I have a camera facing the street. of oncoming traffic. I have a camera facing the street right now. Okay. And it's not obfuscated at all. It's just a big-ass camera. I want to obfuscate mine. Why? So people don't know where to hide from the camera. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. An extra layer of security. And then I want tranquilizer darts on <laughs> I want them to shoot every time it detects motion. <laughs> I just want everything. I just want everybody Drink to take all. a nap. Drink I'm so tired all. all the time. I just want everybody to enjoy a nice nap. Everybody Birds, over a certain night. <laughs> adults, children, everybody needs to nap. This is how um, those fairy tales get made of the... The witch that lives. All in the, the fairy tales were just written by like very overtired moms. <laughs> like, yeah, sp- the spinning wheel puts you to sleep. Sure, yeah. uh, he ate the poison apple. Will put you to sleep. Sure, why not? Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just just permanent sleep. Uh, no, no, de- no deterioration of the body or anything. No, just sleep. Yep. Just, just, just really tired. It's really good. Drew continues. Now then, the downside. Yes, we are limited to 4 watts on AM and 11 on SSB. However, Josh has advocated for tech tickets getting access to HF at lower power. Yeah, I am. See where this is going? I'm curious to know what Josh (laughs) thinks about this logic. It seems even someone with a tech ticket could potentially get in on the solar fun if a general just isn't in the card for them yeah. cards for them anytime soon. Right. So why wouldn't I want to put all my ba- my eggs in the basket? Don't you like that? I'm going to put my eggs in somebody else's basket of getting their technician license. Why why do I need to have them s- take a, a a half step into CB mm. before they become a technician? 
technicians have access to 10 meters, which is the same fund that this person is is referencing. Again, I am not taking anything away from CB. I respect CB. I like CB. I think shoot and skip on CB is sometimes an issue. I've been, now again, you have to consider my experience with CB might be different from your experience with CB. Sure. I listen to a lot of people screaming at each other hours (laughs) on end, and it doesn't matter how many channels there are if we're shoot and skip, that just seems like more people screaming at each other on the same channels that are already overused and and overserved. So why wouldn't I just want to get more people their technician license? Because they can get on 10 meters, they can run 250 watts of power on 10 meters versus mm. a, whatever, 10 watts, 11 watts on single sideband. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can come up with more reasons, but I, I, I don't, I'm not giving you reasons because I think CB is, is a lesser than ham radio. This is the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast. I am about ham radio. I'm advocating for ham radio. Mm. I am not taking away anything from CB. I'm not saying people shouldn't get involved with CB. I'm just not advocating for it. Right there's a difference. I'm at no time am I throwing shade at CB. I want everybody to make sure they understand. I respect CB. I like it when CBers become ham radio operators. I don't have any issue when ham radio operators use CB. I own two CB radios with CB antennas. I have nothing against it, but I don't see how it's an efficient route to get more hams by tunneling them through CB. Right, when you could just, just study for tech. a few days and get your tech. Yeah, study for yeah. a few days, get your tech. You can do everything CB can and more. Okay. Right? Okay, more bang for your buck is what you're saying. Sure. <laughs> I guess. I mean, maybe, kind of. Because they. Th- so, interesting point. A lot of the CB manufacturers also make 10-meter HF radios for ham radio. Interesting. So, you know, hey, why not? Just just get your uh, get your ticket, get your ten meter radio, and go nuts. All right, put Dude. an amp behind it. All right. okay. <laughs> Build that sucker right up. That's it. Uh, Drew continues. So it is that I'm back again to my being ham curious. It's also the part of this email where I wish I could actually see Josh in real time. May maybe Leia can describe the shade of green he's getting ready to turn. You see, I've got 6.5 acres of land that goes from the bottom of one side of a hill uh, to the bottom of another side, meaning, yes, I own the top of the hill, too. Why? And it's a high point or equal to some of the highest points on on this part of the state. I have some trees and some open area, and unfortunately, some power lines to worry about, although I'm scheming to get rid of about half of those. What? How is this man not even a ham yet? This is not acceptable. More on that later in the email, in in a later email, perhaps. Yes. My point is, every time I look at the property, I understand what a prime location I have for all of the antennas. And so it is that I'm continuing my hamstudy.org process of working through what I need to know to sit for my tech and general tickets in one go and hoping to find a local Elmer to help me spend my money wisely on new toys once I have accomplished this. In the meantime, I've been messing with an RTL SDR USB dongle. 
whose idea was that word? Dongle is a funny word, honestly. Yeah. Dongle. <laughs> yes. Yes. And trying to listen to some Nashville area repeaters, but not with a great deal of success. Any tips for this, Josh? I'll even accept a reference to a YouTube video. I think one of the most difficult things to overcome is I'm using a Mac and there doesn't appear to be a lot of software, nor yet any recent releases beyond a single $20 application in the App Store, oh, there's tons. which I may yet buy. Maybe I should just get a fang and watch your how to program videos and be done with it. No, I want both. I like the waterfall and the SDR. Please help. Yeah. Um, all you need to do is Google a big list of SDR applications. Literally. Big list? Like big in list quotes? Of, big, big list, list of, of SDR applications. Okay. Or list of SDR applications. It's actually an RTL SDR website. It will come up with a ton of different software-defined software. Software-defined radio software to run on your computer. And Mac is included. Linux is included, including Raspberry Pi, Windows, wow. etc. It's got it's got it That's all there. Robust, and it goes way beyond just listening. It goes into data modes and all kinds of stuff. All right. Yeah. Thanks again for all the entertainment, and consider this doing my part to help you generate some unshored up content for all the fans out yep. there. Thank you As very ever, much. loyally, your eleven meter correspondent, Drew, uh, aka trailhound hey drew, drew you, i appreciate drew. the email and I, I i appreciate the challenge i i don't think you're wrong i'm not ta- like i said i'm not taking anything away but at the same time i just i i gotta point people at the 10 meters man get yeah. them texts get them on 10 meters they can do everything you can do on 11 um and more would you do digital modes on 10 meters you would you tell drew yeah that whatever experience he's having with CB radio right now mm-hmm. would be improved tenfold no. by getting an antenna on his hill. Oh, oh yeah. Like, I mean, oh, he, he's on a CB. Well, because he's not a ham yet, right? If he just took his CB antenna and got it up on the hill mm-hmm. and ran coax down, oh my gosh, yeah, he would. He would probably be getting. It would be pretty awesome. Yeah. But I mean, once he gets his tech and his general, well, because sure. he's trying to tech but, in general. But again, at the same I, time. I, I, those are those are kind of two separate things. CB and and ham radio are going to benefit from antenna locations as much as uh, anything. They, they equally benefit from it. So yeah, you could you could put a CB antenna up on the hill. You could put his ham radio antenna on the hill. the The advantage of of just having as much land as he has is he can do some really fun stuff with HF radio. Well, with Drew, that, with that acreage, you can do a lot. Yes, Josh is very excited for your future radioing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Get on the air, man. Good luck on getting or your tech to be in on general because he's already on yeah. CB. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the next email is from Greg Pod Stuff Part Do. I guess I came up with an additional email. Since we're coming into summer, I'm sure I'm not the only fairly new ham that has no idea how to set up my radios for a road trip. Josh may want to address this on a YouTube video, but I'd love to hear about how to get my radios programmed for a trip. I'm sure that Josh has probably addressed this on some of his videos, but I'm a fan of the podcast. There is just so much YouTube content that it's difficult to keep up what Josh has put out there. When my own content gets in the way of answering <laughs> questions. Fun. 
Uh, I don't know that you actually have a video about setting up the. No. Yeah. So here's your problem with that. There's a couple of problems. The first is that some repeaters just might be total trash in comparison to other repeaters. Mm -hmm. And you don't know if a repeater is good until you get to where you're going. Like you don't know. So I will always state, make sure you have the calling frequencies program in your radio. 146.520 for 2 meters and 446.000 megahertz for 70 centimeters. And make sure you call on the calling frequencies as you're moving along where you're going. Now, you you could sit down and and have the the thought to, you know, pull up the different zip codes of of wherever you're traveling and load a couple of repeaters in there as you're going. But the problem is is that if you're in, like, California, you're going to get back, like, 100 repeaters, and you're not going to know which ones are good. You're not going to know if they're some some of them will you'll know if they're private or not private, but you have no idea if they're populated with people. There's all kinds of pitfalls that you can go on with that. You can do that, though. That's kind of the best thing. There's another app. Um, I believe it's R Finder is another way to go is an R Finder will kind of like plot your trip as you go. And there are other software titles that I think will do that. D-Star in particular, the ICOM, uh, the ICOM digital mode, and actually they'll do it with uh, analog digital modes as well. But D-Star, you can just kind of drive and pull up the next repeater. All you have to do to sort that out is um, get yourself a D-Star radio, go to D-Star, dot, uh, D-Star info, I think it's D-Star info, Google that. And you can download the current list of D-Star repeaters. All the D-Star radios have little micro SD cards. So you load that on the on the SD card, plop it into the radio, and it will load all those repeaters. And then you can just drive and, and keep clicking through them and, and pulling up uh, up uh, new, new D-Star repeaters. By the way, that will work for the ID-51, the ID-30. I always get that wrong. That's a 70-centimeter only one. The ID4100, which is the mobile radio, then there is another ICOM radio that that will work with that's mobile, and it'll work with the ICOM 705 um, HF radio. It'll also work with that, too. So there are many radios that will just kind of take you through the the trip. Okay. Yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you. It's just because I don't know. Nobody knows if the repeaters are popular. Right. right. They're being used. So it's tough. I mean, I guess you could put out a... Hit the calling frequency, man. Just, yeah. just keep calling on the calling frequency. Well, I mean, maybe if you plot out your road trip map and you posted it in the HRCC Facebook group. Oh, maybe. Uh, Some people, people may know tell what repeaters you, yeah. are going to be popular. Hey, that's actually probably the a better way to do it yeah that's a really good idea Leah. well thank you yeah I, sometimes you, you can know. just say hey if you're within my um if you're within 50 miles of my road trip yeah let me know if you've got a hot repeater choice yeah that's a damn good idea Leah. well thank you so much yeah yeah that's a real good idea mm-hmm. greg signs off 73 and 3 gds enter 3 nat jakarta c very that's- good phonetics <laughs> very good yeah so helpful. So helpful. <laughs> Have fun on your road trip, Greg. Thanks for the email. Uh, the next email is titled Thanks, and this is from Craig. 
Josh and Leah, I bought a DX Commander Expedition after your YouTube evaluation. 15 countries and many QSOs oh, later. Good for you. I am very happy. Yeah, that's an awesome antenna. Check this out. My station is in an HOA, and I <gasps> painted it beige to match the houses around me in the desert. Hell yeah. That's a good idea. It's a moisture evaporator. That's what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what that's from, Leah? No. You have no idea? Nope. What did uh, Lars and Aunt Beru do as a profession? I have no idea. I just gave you like the dumbest Star Wars names. What's uh, Luke and Luke's uncle and aunt? They're scrappers. No. Oh, no. They're not. No. What, What do they do? They farm moisture i did not remember that yeah they're they're moisture farmers those big tall things that look like antennas that were uh-huh. in star wars with the little like stick at the uh-huh. top those are moi- those are um moisture farmers those are moisture evaporators wow yeah it is an arid planet Tatooine. Tatooine. the desert planet yes yeah. yeah not to be confused with arrakis what's the... that from i have no idea dune <gasps> yes yeah. Dune is also very oh, so arid. Good. I yes. love Dune. Don't want to talk anymore about okay, Dune. Okay, yeah, I, no. We don't want we've, people We've gone down that. the Dune can't, rabbit can't do hole. It. Yeah. <laughs> Craig has a t-shirt idea. Ham radio crash course on the front, small left chest logo, and on the back, a door on one side with a ham shack on the door and on the air in a box in red above the door and the statement, don't come knocking when the QSOs <laughs> are rocking. <laughs> That is okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let me think on this. I and if we make it, Craig, you will get one. You will get one. Yes. Because all you did was took our logo on the front and added a quip in the back. Well, but there's also a picture of a. Oh, he's got a picture. No, but I'm saying it's on the back door, one side of the ham shack door, mm. and on the air box in red above the door. And the statement on the door says, oh, gotcha. don't come and knock in when the QSOs are rocking. Is that a little clear? Yeah, I okay. <laughs> Thank you, Craig, for Thank the you, Craig. Uh, glowing review of the DX Commander. We're big fans oh, of Callum. Yeah, Callum. And cannot be, uh, for the t-shirt Enough idea. things cannot be said for Callum for what he does. His videos are fantastic, by the way. Those are videos that always pop up in my, in my uh, feed. When I'm searching for antenna stuff, Callum's always like right up there. Josh uh, is always like really excited when he sees a Callum video, actually. Oh, yeah. Callum's great. <laughs> he so find- much fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next email is titled Chili. And we're it's been back a while. on it. It's been yes, a while. Yes. <laughs> we, haven't, a while. we haven't forgotten the, the official Chili of ham radio. <laughs> we haven't forgotten. And this is from I, Russ. I'm 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 legit man, we would piss off a lot of people if we said that. Oh what? man. Like if we started like putting that out there, the official chili of ham radio, <laughs> Skyline Chili, people would get so mad. Be so mad. It's at least the official chili of Ham Radio Crash Course podcast. <laughs> it, it is. It is definitely the official chili. Man, it was good. I'm s I, I still think about it occasionally. It's really good. It is. And, and we got it out of a can. That's it must be that, so amazing I in know. person. I, 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 I actually reached out to them. Did you really? Because I asked if there was any way we could host a meetup um, during Hamvention 
at Skyline. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> For next year? Yes. And they were like, here is the contact. I reached out to them on Instagram. And they were yeah. like, here is the contact information for the person that you should talk to related to like media, like social media stuff. So maybe Skyline Chili Meetup. <laughs> Whoa, this is getting wild. That means you have to go to Hamvention. Why? <laughs> what do you mean? How are you... I'm not going to coordinate all this. I'm not going to be the on the ground person. I'm the fixer. I'm the Ohio fixer. We need to tap Evan. <laughs> no, but I mean, you, now you have to go. And and we bring the kids. We do the whole thing. We let them Skyline run nuts. We let them just go crazy at Hamvention. We just let them loose. Just and go. We're like, who are these children? <laughs> and they're Josh's kids. He's been complaining about them for two years. <laughs> but bring- I get it. I understand now. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll bring them in their little scout suits, and then it'll be totally oh, be fun. Get this... Tackle him. Get him in his license. Get this kid trained. Show him a Morse code key. Quick. He's got his little jamboree. Oh, my God. on him already. He's, he, be, he becomes untouchable. He's yeah. like, they're building effigies. Do, do whatever you would like. Would you like to break this radio? Would you like this radio? Yeah. Here, take it. So Russ says, hey, Leia. I found another chili option other than Skyline and Wendy's. <laughs> it was featured in the June issue of QST. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The- Field Day Chili. Yeah. I actually have that kicking around here somewhere. I should show you it. There is also another variety here in Vermont in upstate New York called Michigan Sauce. It's Michigan Sauce. Which is a meat sauce that some might see as chili. I don't. That's that's what Russ said. Wow. Okay, Russ. <laughs> Damn. But I'm into it. It appears that there is a recipe. I will drop it in the show notes. It's called Northern New York Michigan Sauce Recipe. <laughs> how how nondescript can you yeah. get with your what you're trying to sell me on this? What what how how much do you hate chili that <laughs> you can't just use that word? I don't think it's officially a chili, but what it is a it meat sauce. What makes it officially a chili? A chili. A, a, what people decide it is. I'm assuming it needs meat and chilies. That's <laughs> the two. Oh, but there's vegetarian. It can have peppers in it. Yeah, and, and some chili has no meat at all. Okay, so peppers, chili, so it's chili peppers. So super boring and has no spice in it? I don't know. I haven't looked at the recipe yet. I'm Why offended. don't I make I'm it offended. one day? <laughs> Russ continues. I'm offended by your lack of spice. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know that it doesn't have spice I, in it. Well, if you're telling me that you can't call it chili, and chili denotes spice, I'm among, not saying that you things, can't call it chili. I'm saying in this scenario. Well, that's what I'm saying. How offended are they by the term chili? <laughs> I didn't name this. Maybe they just can t- consider it a meat sauce. But they yeah. didn't even call it a meat sauce. It is. It's it's a meat sauce. What is the That's name what... of the sauce? Okay, now I'm opening the link. Here we go. It was there. I had a hyperlink. It says Northern New York, Michigan sauce recipe. Where's the meat, and Leia? It goes, Where's the meat? But it lo- the picture. No, what is the title? I said, what is the title? What do they does, call it? It does not have It does meat. not say meat. But it does go on a hot dog. What does that mean? The hot dog already <laughs> has meat in it. No, I'm saying it's this a is going to turn into a is dog. a hot dog a sandwich discussion, <laughs> and this is going to break the internet. It does not have meat in the name, so all of that is it, 
Okay. All of this is moot. All right. A Michigan-style hot dog is a northern New York regional specialty. It consists of a steamed hot dog served on a New England-style bun. I am not against any of this with so far. a meaty sauce, okay. generally referred to as Michigan sauce, okay. and commonly served with chopped onions and mustard. I'm on board with all of this. There is not one thing... It looks like a chili dog. Yes. It looks I, like a chili dog. That is the most complicated way to say it's a chili dog. That is... That is it appears to be a chili dog. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, this is what we call in the in uh, the local vernacular a chili dog. <laughs> they used a lot of words to say the exact You're same thing. Real hot on this. I'm, I just don't know what's happening anymore. Russ continues, in the last podcast, you two were discussing a habanero jam, which left me salivating and reminded me of the hot sauce I used to make. It contained the following ingredients, jalapenos, habaneros, Mm -hmm. Carolina Reaper, Miss Junie, Sichler, Sichler mix i haven't a chili farm in new mexico okay cilantro onion roasted garlic and fresh lime Ooh. anyhow gotta run 73 russ kc5 cnt hrcc podcast vermont's northern correspondent oh okay, okay. p.s since nate is the southern correspondent we understand that sounds like a fantastic hot sauce and i gotta say a big kudos here from southern california to the East Coast for actually having somebody that eats hot sauce. That's great. Yeah, well, I believe that Russ was originally from the New Mexico mm. area. And okay, then that makes sense. moved to Vermont. That makes sense. Yes. I'm not trying to throw shade, but every time I'm on the East Coast, when they're like, oh, it's, this is spicy. I'm like, I can't taste any spice. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's not appreciable. It's not kicking off the Geiger counter of spice. Oh, we eat really spicy hot sauce. I mean, there used to be a sauce called Dave's Insanity, and it was the that hottest. That wasn't like, and, and that wasn't a challenge sauce in this home. That wasn't the last dab. That was like the all meal yeah. sauce. Yes. <laughs> like, that's the important thing to understand. It, it, and it got spicier as it got older, like the, the yeah, bottle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Russ. And your your sauce sounds your it, your sauce sounds hot really good. sauce yeah, sounds, sounds delicious. Really good. Your meat sauce, maybe or may not be chilly, sounds very interesting as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm <laughs> down with all of it. Thank you for that recommendation. The long way to explain chili talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like some trademark thing that goes back to like the 30s when somebody like got into a a knife fight over the use of the term chili dog. Oh, I don't know. I bet. Some like old school Coney Island thing. So the next email is from Tim. It says, Field Day shirts. I was wondering if you could consider putting the Field Day 2021 shirts up for sale in time for us to have them delivered for the big day. Oh, wow. What a mm, concept. Mm. This is ooh, this is a concept. As a lone wolf who will probably run into some hams over the weekend, I would like to be able to advertise free of charge. Thanks. 73TimK2TJK. Okay, so Tim, your requests are just going too far. That, Those are just that is too a great far. recommendation. I can attempt to have a shirt designed um, 
by Saturday for field day. But I actually cannot guarantee that they will make it to you in time for field day because we have a production partner that makes our shirts to order. Mm -hmm. This is just poorly planned. (laughs) Just 100% poorly planned on our part. And their production time can be, you know, nine days well, we for need, a t-shirt. Well, we need to get started on this right shipping, now. And then shipping. Okay, we need right? to get started on this right now. What's, okay. what's going to be on the By shirt? By we, yes. you mean me. No, but I mean, like, oh. <laughs> what's going to go on the shirt? What's going to be on the shirt? Usually, well, like... So, so it's going to say Field Day 2020. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I mean... Mind blown. Right off this the is, bat. Whoa, design, yes. design School 101. Amazing. <laughs> Nailing all the bullet points. Put that yeah. on a PowerPoint slide. So ARRL always has like a theme, okay, for field day. Okay. So what would be the Hammer to Crash Chords field day theme? Roasted pork. It, it should be like <laughs> it should be like COVID free or out of quarantine. No, I'm not putting any of that on a okay. shirt. Yeah, I'm not, not out of quarantine. I'm not really mentioning anything related to that on okay. shirts. Okay. Yeah. Mass off? Mass. I think this is a conversation for off the podcast, honestly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm trying to think of the song. What what song? Molly Percocet. Molly Percocet. Well, Tim, I'm going to do my best, but I cannot guarantee that your uh, shirt will arrive in time Mm -hmm. for field day. Just because I know that there's a lead time on. Well, yeah. All of okay, the we're going to aim to have something by the live stream, which is literally two days from now. Well, well, the design. You're listening. Yeah. Well, sure. Something on the website that you can buy. That sure. we're going to aim to do that. Yeah. So we will we will start working on that. Thank you for that right recommendation. Now. That is good. thanks. Thanks for helping us That's- out with our own <laughs> scheduling. Well, when I shared the uh, YouTubers Hamfest t-shirt, I had posted it to a group that the creators are in. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, is it, you know, is it okay if I design the shirt? This is literally like we woke up and we're like, hey, let's make a shirt. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Like, it's like we're a couple of kids that had like a sleepover. And we're like, (laughs) hey, let's make a shirt. Get the puffy paint. (laughs) And I and I wanted to make sure I wasn't stepping on any toes because a lot of the other creators have merch stores right, as right. well. And uh, Jason came back. I was like, "This is completely unacceptable." I had like posted the design and everything yeah. before it went live on Hamtactical, and uh, he said, "This is no, it's not okay. <laughs> Why was this not made two weeks ago?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so that I can wear it. Today. <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, we live our lives hand to mouth, but the hand to mouth is time. Yeah. Like, it is literally <laughs> just time. We wake up and go, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Oh my God, there's so much Let's to Let's go be, be an adult. Yeah. What am I supposed to adult right now? Tell me, <laughs> someone, quick. I, I did today teach Edison, our five year old, mm-hmm. double digit edition. So, yeah, that's I mean, something. That's it good. is. It is. And uh, so I'm feeling now he'll be able to count how long he's in timeout. It's going to be great. (laughs) Well, that was 10 minutes. And then she added 15. (laughs) So So that means that's one whole episode of Avatar. (laughs) We did used to count time by Avatar. We did. Yeah. 
I was like, how long is that? How many well, Coras is that? That's a whole Cora. That's a whole Cora. <laughs> yeah. That's, whew, you really, <laughs> really messed up, son. The next email is titled, Hi Again, and this is from Chris. I wanted to drop a line. This is the Chris that uh, helped to design the arc reactor on Chris, yeah. killing it. I just wanted to drop a line on a and new contest. Say, Where's my shirt? It's <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> it's a two-meter sprint classic contest. A small group of us have put it together, and the rules are on the Fort Wayne Radio Club website. I will drop that link in the show notes. This would be a good contest for you, Leia, to work some stations. In, in Fort Wayne, Texas? Yeah. <laughs> on VHF? It's a two-meter sprint classic. Yeah, VHF. Yeah. yeah. You can't talk to Texas from here. On another note, my <laughs> wife made some ribs for our Sunday cookout that would make you smack your mother. Like, I would never smack my mother. See, like that? <laughs> I mean, depending how good the ribs are, I might smack my mother, but never your mother. <laughs> never my mother. You would also. I, I would not. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. But I had to make a joke. <laughs> they were so good. I had some for breakfast Monday morning. See, that's how you know a good rib. The next day... When, like, it's kind of sucked up the juices again and congealed, and you still pull them out, and you're like, I got to eat some of these right now, and it's the morning after. That's a good... That's how you know the barbecue is good. Yes. For, that's how, like, somebody who makes... Somebody who smokes meat. Mm -hmm. If you wake up and you want to eat your own barbecue the next day, mm -hmm. as someone who, who makes a lot of smoked meats, yes, that's a pretty good sign that you did a did a pretty pretty good sure. job that's always been my bailiwick because sometimes i'll wake up and i'm like ah, i oversmoked that or i didn't you know i didn't really love it mm -hmm. but you know so every once in a while i'll get something i'm like yeah i'm gonna i gotta have some of that right now yeah, yeah. That's, that's where it's at well chris signs off 73 w9 tsb tsb you know what i was no it's tsp that's what i'm thinking about that that uh granules are used when you yeah, clean the walls clean before walls. paint yeah. yeah that's tsp but hey chris send me that rib recipe yeah, yeah, we love. Not so that we can smack our mothers, but just because we like ribs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was trying to come up with a joke like breaking and entering and then no, whole just no. escalation of violence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, we'll this next that. email is titled First Soda Hike, and this is from Dan. Here we go. Right on, Dan. Hi, Josh and Leah. I've been listening for a while and have had lots of things to say on a wide range of topics. Let's see how much self-control I can exercise. <laughs> okay. I just reread it. It's going to help you get to three hours. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. If you haven't already, I recommend reading the book 200 Meters and Down by Clinto DeSoto. I received it as a Christmas gift and found it fascinating, if a bit dry at times. It was a it was written pre World War II with the intent of being a historical account of amateur radio to that Ooh, point. Okay, My favorite quote is right from the beginning. The typical radio amateur of nineteen thirty six is a young man twenty five years of age. I read that to my wife, and she quipped, yep, and those are still the same people that make up the average <laughs> Nailed amateurs. Nailed it. Nailed it. Isn't she just a hoot? <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's good. The crazy part about this history book is that the state of the art at the end was the Audion Tube. SSB hadn't even been invented yet. Oh, that's cool. 
One subject I was surprised to read about was the relative political clout the ARRL once held. The book recounts the fight for ban space on the as-yet unregulated airwaves as a war story with amateurs fighting the broadcasters, other hams, other nations, and the U.S. Navy, which before the FCC was the regulatory body in charge of radio and wanted 100% of radio to be preserved for the military. The fact that we have as many allocations as we do is amazing considering the groups opposed to it at the time. Yeah. Perhaps if activism became a small part of every ham's activities, we'd have more bands to play in now. I mean, you have to consider the time too. And since you read the book, you, you probably appreciate that. There, there was no landlines. There was no way for people to communicate to anyone, right? Hams were literally the only game in town. There may have been party lines and all that other fun stuff mm-hmm. or, or some rudimentary phone line system. Um, but th- those would have been overloaded in the times of emergency and hams were just ad hoc. I'll just set up, you know, um, wherever I can, depending on if they had the capability to do so. It, it, it was a different it was a different time. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will I will admit that portable radio has gotten e- much easier, significantly easier since then. And that's. For me, I think the coolest aspect of it. But yeah, keep going. Sorry. Dan continues. The other reason I bring this book up is because I believe it gets to the root of where the role of amateur radio as emergency service provider comes from. Ooh, here we go. In those days, the 1920s and 30s, the amateur operators often had equipment and expertise superior to that of armed services. I would argue that this is no longer the case. And while useful in an emergency, especially from a self-sufficiency perspective, ham radio will likely never again serve the function of an official backbone mode of emergency communication for most communities, i.e. mid to large size cities. Outside those areas, I can certainly see the hobby maintaining its position as a provider of emergency services. But given that most folks live in densely populated regions, the majority of amateurs would not be expected or even desired to take on this role. Don't worry, daddy federal government will take care of you. Anyway, because of this, I don't take quite as much offense at the FCC's rejection of the amateur radio service having a significant role in national emergencies. Just my two cents. Dan, I have to disagree. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and I'll, I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Well, I think that we've seen that in places like Texas, mm-hmm. right, where they had a freak storm power was out so you're talking radio local local community communications that's the sure so his argument wasn't that though but keep going where you're going because yours is also a good point i think that people were trying to reach their loved ones right in this freeze Mm -hmm. right and trying to get support to people Mm -hmm. right especially the elderly i think and this is something that we as a society, I feel like we don't value the elderly the way that we should, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, I'm Chinese, so there's a big reverence for the uh, for the elderly and um, matriarchs, really, patriarchs of the family. Yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah. And during the pandemic, one of the first things I did was I went to every senior's house on our block to see if they do. needed anything. Right. Right. Because people were 
you know, there was a run on goods at the supermarket. I gotta get 18 bags of gas. <laughs> and it was toilet paper at that time. Sure, but... <laughs> to, to dip in the gas. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I do think that that communications is a major gap in almost every city, county, and state's infrastructure. Yeah, because the first responders are busy doing first responder stuff. Right. And if you're not in the first responder queue, you're not getting first responder support. Right. But if you if but you live in a neighborhood, need to be first responder support. Right. It can be local communities taking care of local communities. But not every neighborhood has somebody who's willing to go and talk to all of, of their neighbors. Right. Some some neighborhoods. Nobody knows anybody but yeah. the immediate neighbors next to them. Right. Maybe the ones which across even from that them. is kind of like a luxury, I think, in today's society, which is scary. But you know, right. And so you could be somebody who is uh, like stuck in your house for whatever reason, mm-hmm. like you know, snow is blocking your door or something, and you can't get out, but. The phone lines are down. Right. The power You're is cut out. Off. You Effectively have cut off. no way right. to get any help. Right. Right. So, and it doesn't matter if you're in a suburb or not. Right. It They're, doesn't matter if you're in a city I'm or not. I'm putting my whole life on this Baofeng, making this contact. Right. And then what if there, What if you're stuck in a massive building of apartments mm-hmm. and there happens to be a murderer trapped in there with you. What? Yeah. And they have like a highly advanced manipulated form of rabies and they're basically <laughs> zombies. This is the plot yes. of the movie that I yes. am all about. But that's not that's not what he was saying. <clears throat> so I, I want to be really clear because there was a couple of points he hit that I think need... I'm not necessarily disagreeing with him, but I want to make sure we understand what he's saying. That the armed forces are better radio operators or more educated than hams. Disagree. in On the general. Sure. In the, okay. On the average level. Because I get messages all the time from uh, veterans that come out as radio operators and they want to learn about amateur radio. And they are looking at the water hose the same way all of you are looking at the water hose. That they learned how to be an appliance operator. We, we've ter- we've used that term before, right? We yeah. have a shirt for it. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to appreciate what that is, is it's purely using the Legos to build the thing, and the thing does the job you want it to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you know how the Legos work. They're just blocks. Mm-hmm. You put the blocks together, it does the thing you want it to do. You could be successful at that for three years in the military, get out with a stellar record, and then, you know, move on and, and learn more and become more invested in, in, in the aspects of radio. I'm not saying this is everybody in the military, and I'm not just besperching the military at all. But when you get down to the, like, brass tacks of how do radio work, mm-hmm. hams are going to be, just most hams are going to be more experienced than first responders and the veterans, too, included. A lot of services are trying to step in um, to kind of create this first responder network. Well, how they're doing that is they're creating, I don't want to say, it's, it's almost like a mesh network, but it, it's basically a, a series, it's a service-based system that they have technicians involved to help bridge those last gaps and make sure the things are working the way <coughs> that they're supposed to do. 
Well, what if they don't? Okay, well, we'll just put another call to that service and make them fix it. Okay, well, but that's that's where the ham would step in and say, like, well, this is how we make sure this connects. This is how we make sure this works. Sure. You're, you're, the difference is, like, the technician on the ground that can fix the problem. He's kind of a generalist. He kind of understands a lot of things and can probably figure it out. With that said, <clears throat> radio has changed a lot, um, obviously, since the time this book was written back in the 20s and now to where we're at today. Generalist of amateur radio doesn't just mean I know how radio works and I know how to put an antenna up and, and make sure it's resonant and you know appropriately working with my radio. That also means being somewhat of a computer knowledge person. Yes. That is part of the repertoire to be a good um, field generalist radio operator. I, I think that's part and parcel with, with how it's going now. I think you have to be ready to step into that role. And likely that means you're pulling in the millennials and some of the younger folks and to make that possible, to do that. You know what's interesting is uh, Google has a mesh network that they've tried to set up using all of their Google devices, right? Their Google Home devices. Yes. And Amazon is now rolling one out in relation to the Echo. Right, they're going to like turn all your little Echo devices into hotspots. Right, which you can turn off. We are turning ours off. Of course. Uh, but You know what's the- funny about the Echo? It's the perfect size as a clay pigeon. <laughs> it's like the perfect size. But, I'm a little out of practice, by the way. I just want to let you yes, know. Yes, I mean, sure. You should sure. probably huck that in the air and see if I can do this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can just turn that option off. You can opt out. But you know how you turn it off forever? Sh- shooting it like a clay pigeon? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you... Hit it with some number eight birdshot. You have to consider the fact that we are also at a point in our society where a handful of major tech companies actually control a bulk of our communication as communities, right? The Actually, that's the most scariest aspect of it. Even these service providers are basing their services on the long haul to connect to whatever hospitals, etc. Right. on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's only the last mile where they're doing these, you know, oh, it's a it's a repeater. You drop off the back of a mobile command unit and you hook it to your generator and hey, whiz bang, all your things work. Right. That's a service. They're, they're, they're charging you for that. How good can that service be in any dynamic situation of an emergency? Do you really want to be depending on these tech companies for all of your communication needs. I would argue that you depend on it up until the point that it fails and then have a plan if it does. And that back plan, that break glass solution always should be ham radio. And the, you know, Drew brings up, or I'm sorry, Dan brings up this, uh, don't worry, daddy federal government will take care of you attitude that a lot of people in metropolitan areas have developed. And it's because that so many people are expecting the government to take care of them, which I I do not think that that is good for the country at large. No. Like, well, I don't think it's good for the common man at large. Right. Whatever your government is, whatever the basis of it is, whatever its political alignment, even if it backs up your political alignment, if you're 100% on board with what they believe politically— 
you should still take care of yourself. Yes. You should have the capability to take care of yourself and your neighbors. It does not matter that they say the things that they're going to do. And the reason is simple. The best intentions in an emergency get distributed and diluted by the masses. Right. It's it's basically, if you expect the government to take care of everyone, you will never be a priority. Right. Regardless because, of your situation. Right. Because as much as these first responders practice for these situations, and they do, they absolutely do, and they have plans and, and plans on plans and all that stuff, they don't have enough people. Right. And the first responders have families of their own. Yeah. They are in the impacted zone. Shout out to the heroes that are first responders that go to work when they themselves live in the disaster zone that is affected by the disaster. There's plenty of people that do that. Some don't. And you can't expect them to be as efficient as possible during a a disaster. So you're going to have to step in and soften some of that burden. Even if you do trust the government, help the government out by taking care of yourself and softening that burden a little bit. The best thing you can do for your community <coughs> is to not be a burden on it. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that's, and, and it makes you a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. So Dan continues, moving on to the discussion you had about getting folks into ham radio and how you teach them. I believe it is critical to get involved in a club or to get an Elmer. Josh, while your videos and those of others are great, All they do for me is show me the next shiny thing I want to chase. I force myself to sit down and prioritize what I want the hobby to be for me, currently cobbling together a trap dipole in the attic Mm -hmm. as time allows so I can get on any time without having to set up HOA, cue sad trombones. Between satellites, restoring old radios, I got seven radios and an amplifier ranging in vintage from 1942 to 1960s from an estate style. Poda Soda digital modes, adding a pan adapter to my rig, building J-poles for VHF, UHF, hunting down RFI, the list goes on and on. Having someone who can guide you on this journey might help some out there drink from just one fire hose rather than nine or ten. Dude, I'm totally with you. I don't disagree. Not saying there isn't credible value in the content and that you and others like you put out, but coming into this hobby more or less blind with no authoritative curation or direction makes initial progress somewhat frustrating and slow. There's a lot. On the flip side, (laughs) I have learned a metric crap ton and have what I feel to be a well-rounded base of knowledge in most areas of ham radio. I've only been a ham since October 2020, so I'm still in early days. We'll see if my tune changes in a couple of years. Um, You bring up a really good point, Dan. I feel similarly to you. Uh, The best advice I can give you, in addition to joining a club, fighting an Elmer, is there is a playlist that is specifically about getting started in ham radio sure well okay a couple of things so i i don't think dan's wrong that if you look at some of the shorter form videos on youtube yeah they're going to be more like look at this thing you can buy mm-hmm. that's true i don't yeah I don't or really this thing you that. can do that is and, and it's, a, it's probably a, it's a pretty highly technically yeah, advanced you're right it's a highly compacted thing it's kind of an introduction or it's somebody that's already very knowledgeable about that thing that's doing that thing 
Right. Because so the how do you, channel has grown as you have grown right. as I have. But I'm not even talking about my own channel. Yeah. I'm talking about people who are going out and doing soda activations. They're showing you what it looks like when you're already at the level of competency to go do the thing. Mm-hmm. And you watch it and you're like, I want to do that thing. How do I bridge the gap from where I'm at now to doing that thing? I hate to tell you, but that's kind of the live streams. Yeah. So the reality of it is, is if you want to put if you want to put the time in to understand what it is, then you really need to look at some of the longer content that I and others have put out. And when I interview other people, I bring in experts in that space. Talking to Adam and Mike K at MRD mm-hmm. on Parks Sean. on the Air, Sean for doing satellites. I did a two part video series on doing satellites. Why? Because as you've already said, it's complicated. It can't be done in a 20, 20 minutes. Hell, most YouTube videos are 10 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. So I'm sh- when I do a 10-minute video, I'm very much trying to push out as much information as I can, but it's not necessarily to bridge the gap from somebody that's fresh on that topic to get to doing that thing necessarily. So I try, interestingly, but that's difficult. I have pitched to Josh the idea that... Uh, he could do more beginner content based off of things that I want to do as a new ham. You know, like contacting the ISS and building, you know, building certain things that wouldn't be too expensive. And what is always my response to these, Leah? I, I don't I don't know. I just know that they haven't been done yet. Are you going to be on video? Why do I have to be in the video for because you to how, do the beginner thing? Because that is the conversation. How can we both be on video? It's hard enough to sit down for the podcast. To? I've got a camera with a big wide lens. I can just go ahead. Get I know. I'm video. saying the time sans children is... Well, let's see. We do this video on Thursday. We could be making videos on every other day. Oh, my God. When will we sleep, my guy? <laughs> uh, but but I hear what you're saying. I, yeah. Uh, the email's point is, is valid. Yeah. The, the reality is, is the information is out there. Sometimes you just have to, like, sit down and partake. I'm not saying don't jump through the video. Like, my live streams start out, and there's, like, seven minutes of me just doing shopkeeping stuff in the front end of it. To get to the main meat of it. No, just fast forward it. I don't care. I'm not offended by it. Fast forward to it. Hell, watch it on 1.5 uh, times. Right. But if but you that's catch where it, the content see, is. The thing like, is. That's that where the details are. If you catch it live, you can ask the questions that you may be confused well, about. I, I would argue if you if you are unwilling to watch my live streams, that's fine. Join the Discord after yes, chat. The after chat is amazing. PM Pacific Standard Time. Because it's not just me, it's all the other YouTube, well, some other YouTubers, and a lot of really smart people. You can go straight to the source and ask a question directly and get immediate answers to your questions based off of whatever it is you want to know. I would join the Discord, to be honest with you. I appreciate you want a mentor. I I don't say don't do that. I'm not saying don't do that. Get an Elmer. Get an Elmer. Yeah, for sure. But... You should avail yourself of all the communication platforms available at this time. Discord is much better than Facebook right now, period. Um, the link is in the description. You think so? I like, oh, totally. I like how... Um, no, because the Discord... 
I, I, I've, I've done this for hours. I've stayed up till 4 a.m. helping people with antennas, just going back and forth. Have you tried this? Boom. Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Boom, 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 boom. Going back, 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 back. And then all these people are helping out at the same time. It's real-time communication. Oh, because Discord is, you can see exactly who's online at right. any given time. The, the, yeah. the problem with Facebook, and I'm not saying it's it's a big problem, but you post a question and then you like go to bed, you come back, and then you, you've got to wait for the reply if you have further questions on questions. And then yeah. sometimes you got to filter through some people who are like not really answering your question, which is kind of frustrating. Um, yeah, I, join the Discord. If, if, right. if that's in your wheelhouse, do that. So Dan continues, and now for something completely different. Ooh. I went on my first soda on hike on Sunday over Memorial Day weekend to Lookout Mountain, just to the southeast of Mount Hood, Oregon. About three-fourths of a mile away from the trailhead, the road became impassable due to snow. So I hoofed it about three miles with 880 feet of elevation gain through snow three to five feet deep and lying about 30 degrees across where I think the trail was. The view at the top was worth the hike, though, as you were able to see the mountains in Washington. Adams, St. Helens, and Mount Rainier to the north, and to the south, Mount Jefferson and the Sisters. Mount Hood was so close, it felt like I could touch it. Absolutely beautiful scenery. My kit, Trekology Yeezy Go Chair that I had just gotten for my birthday. Good for you. Thanks for the recommendation. Works great. Yep. And fed half-wave antenna from KM4AK. KM4ACK. Oh, sorry. KM4ACK. My UV5R with Nagoya NA781. Oh, dragging that Baofeng out there. All right. Home cobbled 14.5 amp a LifePo 4 battery. The FE is for iron. Lithium iron phosphate. (laughs) 50 feet RG8 X coax and an ICOM IC718 at 30 pounds for just the radio gear and water. I don't think this is a long-term solution for my soda fix. That's a bit heavy. Yeah. But hey, training weight, right? Well, I mean, he, he's got he's got more power behind him, so that's cool. So I got to the top, got set up, and I was amazed at how quiet it was. I, I had never heard the pops and crackles that I assume were lightning strikes somewhere. Yeah. My QTH noise floor is usually between an S5 and yep. an S8. Unfortunately, I was unable to activate the summit. Oh, no. I reached someone doing POTA in Colorado and then someone in Northern California. I couldn't seem to reach anyone else, though. I tried calling CQ for about half an hour and then moved my antenna to another spot orientation at the top of the mountain. I called CQ again for about 20 minutes, but got nothing. I moved my antenna a third time, and that's when I started getting ridiculously high SWR on 20 and 40 meters with a much lower SWR on 10 meters. I think I broke the antenna wire pulling it through the trees at some point. 
With that, I took out my UV5R and started calling CQ. I got someone about 15 miles away to come back and we had a good chat. But even with calling on the repeaters to try to get some simplex contact, I was unable to get anyone else to come back to me. Oh man, I'm so sorry. I was quite frustrated at the time, but at least I had a great view and a good hike. With the understanding that you don't have all the relevant details, can you give any possibilities as to why the activation didn't go so well? Each time I set up, the majority of the antenna was horizontal to the ground and was only 10 to 15 feet in the air, not many tall trees at the top of a hill like that. Was I too impatient? Were the bands junk on Sunday? Was my antenna too low to the ground? Any wisdom you might be able to bestow would be appreciated. Did he say what band he was on? <clears throat> uh, 20, he said 20, 40, and 10. Wow. Okay. Like. Uh, no. So, uh, boy. So you have a 100-watt transceiver, and you had an appreciable amount of coax, which is, okay, you know, you're running an NFED. Um uh, man, uh, other than spotting yourself, um, were you spotted? I, that, that would I be the big I thing. cannot answer I know, in I know response know for him. <laughs> Leia, was you spotted? <laughs> you, you need to spot yourself, first of all, when you do a, a soda activation. Throw the spot out there. At 100 watts, though, uh, the only question that I would have is time of day that you got up there. When were you up there? Was it like a thursday morning i don't know uh you know there, there's too many there's there, there there are some things i i can't answer here but but even with that said there's plenty of chasers to easily activate wherever you're at particularly at the altitude you're you were at um his swr thing that he he mentioned kind of bothers me a little bit i i would try again from home um how big was his battery how big was his battery? Uh, the LifePo was a 14.5 amp. Amp Is hour? That a- amp hour, yeah. AH? AH. Okay. Amp hour. Wow, that's a big battery too. Holy smokes. Um, yeah, as, as long as you think you were putting out the full 100 watts, which you definitely can or get close to with that 14 uh, amp hour battery. With w- Dragging something like that up to the top of a summit, you should have been able to activate no problem. He thinks he broke his antenna wire pulling it through the trees at some point, though, he mentioned. That's possible, but that just makes me think it's like, well, it was in the backpack. Like, I don't don't understand that. Kind of odd. That, that, boy, um, that's a tough one. Well, how would you, how do you spot yourself? There's, there's, well, there's two things to do. You can make, um, you can make a report that basically says you're going to be on this frequency at this time at this mountain. Okay. Right. An alert is what it's called. The alert basically says, hey, I'm going to be here about this time, and I'm going to aim for, really what you're saying is I'm going to aim for 20 meters. Look for me. Mm -hmm. But then when you get to the summit, you try and pull out your phone, get a signal, and and say, here I am right now. Come chase me. Right? Okay. So that people will come listen on the frequency to see if they can hear you. But what you can do barring that is the first contact you make if you haven't spotted yourself, ask them to spot you. Ask every contact you make, hey, 
could you spot me? I'd appreciate it if you could spot me. A lot of the times, the parks in the air uh, on the air guys are good at that because they already have internet connection because they're in a park. Mm-hmm. They're, they're on the ground. They they still have a phone connection. You know, they still have wireless, all that stuff. Uh, th- those are the people to ask for. Hey, can you spot me? Can you take care of me? Can you 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 know make sure I'm getting contacts? That kind of thing. I'm really glad that you made a parks on the air contact because at least you got points for parks on the air doing that. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. That's a that's a big bummer. That's a huge bummer, particularly for a hundred watts uh, radio. All the times I've skunked myself on on um, on soda activations, I can always say, "Well, hey, I only had QRP." <laughs> so yeah, I feel like there might be something else going on. Uh, worst case, well, here's what I would say: set yourself, set up your radio station at home, get it all set up with your battery, everything you'd use. Um, and make some make some contacts, make some legit contacts. Get out there and um, reply to CQs, call CQ, and make some calls and make sure it's working correctly. Okay. Dan cool. continues with that. I'll give the next correspondent a turn. Thanks for the work you do for the podcast and everything else. I enjoyed the YouTubers Hamfest and when I was able to join live and have been catching up on the content I missed on Sunday. It was a great idea, and I hope it happens again. I appreciate the work that you both put into this hobby. It sounds more like a full-time job to me. <laughs> and hope you don't burn it's yourselves out. It's a full-time job out. for Leia, for sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure where you find the extra hours in the day, but I'm glad you find them. Well, it's it's 12 o'clock now that we're doing this <laughs> podcast, and it's going to go later than that. <laughs> yeah. That's 73DanKJ7RUP. P.S. If you're looking into amazing book series written by authors that leave you hanging, check out The <laughs> Lies of Locke Lamora no, by Scott we, Lynch. That's one no, of my faves. No, no, we're not. We will not reward authors who do not finish. No, there. we're not doing that. The next email is titled Middle Email, and this is from David. This is our friend Jeeper Creeper. <laughs> That's a new competition. Middle Email. <laughs> He addressed this, hi, Lisa and Josh. (laughs) Well, that's a little weird. That is particularly funny because Josh's girlfriend before me was named Lisa. That's a little odd. And she was crazy pants. (laughs) (laughs) She said it. Leia said it. Oh, no, 100% crazy pants. Objectively crazy pants. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I remember... Leia's a little triggered right now. She's going to go into a story. She, a long, a very old story. No, I'm, I'm going to actually, it's going to be a very short story, unless okay. anybody wants to hear the story of how I outsmarted somebody who tried to trick you into marrying her because she pretended she was pregnant. That's a different story. No, yeah, we don't yeah. need to do that one, please. Uh, she found out that my name was Leia. And again, she pretended like she was pregnant. She wasn't pregnant. (laughs) And she, I I think in an angry conversation over the phone with you, called you and was like, fine, you can just keep your Leia and I'm going to name this baby Luke and I'll have my Luke and you can have your Leia, which is crazy because I'm a girlfriend. Sick nerd burn. That's a baby. (laughs) Sick nerd burn. So, yeah. Uh, please don't call me Lisa. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's, well, yeah. okay. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. <laughs> David. People are going to be calling you Lisa just to get more stupid <laughs> stories about my past out. 
this woman was crazy. She got mad at you, right? And just took a water bottle and was splashing water in your Slowly face. splashing it. Not, Not even like the dumping whole thing. it just all like at once. Just slowly. Like, yeah, just. <laughs> slow. A slow splash. It was nice. It was summer so in California. Fun. It wasn't yeah, that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it gets hot. You always look at the bright side. <laughs> David says, got him. I haven't written for a while because I promised. Literally, you I literally would... got him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I promised I would do my best to help shore up the pod, but it isn't working. So now I'm helping to get it back up to four hours of oh, great content. Oh, no. We're, we're not I trying just... <laughs> to beat the record. The Ham Radio Workbench, they earned it, man. We're not trying to do four hours. We're not trying. We don't want to do that. I don't want to have to call in sick to work. <laughs> I just wanted to say that you guys have really been doing more for ham radio than you realize with this podcast. Even the email tower that's really more of a development and maybe even has its own zip code now <laughs> helps people understand more about ham radio. Last week, I heard Josh clarify and teach a few different topics that were brought up in email. This brought about more questions and people sharing similar situations. And this week, Josh corrected an often misunderstood idea about digital modes requiring internet access. Yes, please. I think the more radio topics we talk about as a community, the more we we get people to try new things. I agree. Our local club has a great weekly informal net on the club repeater and live streamed on a Google Meet for anyone not able to get on the air and for an after chat where we can all see who is behind the call sign. We each share something we've recently done in radio. It's great to share projects and learn from each other. So I'd like to encourage everyone to share their experiences with others, hams or not. That's how we grow the community. I agree. Keep up but- the great work. 73 Dave WA4 DAV aka Jeeper Creeper. I agree, but all these people need to stop copying my stees. What? <laughs> Well, we do a live stream, and then we do an after chat, and we talk about all the ham radio problems live. (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. But I got to say, like, I got to say, uh, I started doing this in 2018, doing the live streams, Uh doing the after chats, like the whole thing. And I think that has created uh, just a wave of what brought us through COVID, Sure. And I, I'll, people, I'll give I'm a ton sure. of credit to Long Island CW Club. They were like the first club that really embraced doing online stuff as a club mm-hmm. and really killing it out there. I and think you that can't, you can't forget the guys at Signal Stick, right? Who? Oh yeah. Well, sure, all the work yeah. they did too. But I'm I'm talking about like the week in, week out, meeting up with people, solving mm. problems. Yeah. We at the Hammer New Crash Course were literally poised to weather the covid Mm -hmm. like by doing what we did and and getting the after chats going and all that stuff and i'm 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 joking when i was when i was making the joke it was not serious i'm glad other people are doing that because that's exactly what we need to do like until we can get to the point we all get back together but hell at the same time when we can all get back together stream it online yeah make it something that's sticky it stays somewhere it stays in a Dropbox. It goes so on YouTube. So much knowledge. It's so much knowledge. Yeah. What Knowledge. I got all these bookshelves and these Lamborghinis in my garage. I read all these books. You know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, Lots Ty. Ty. Yes, uh, you know, you know, you what's know. What's his name? I don't know. He's a I, douche. I don't know his. But last the, the name. point is, is that all this knowledge, if we only had it at the shakies and the round table pizzas of the world that have the ham fest, then that's just as far as it goes. Put it on the internet, record it, propagate it, get it out there. That is literally what will normalize ham radio is that. Sure, they might find some of my videos. I'm sure they're going to find some other YouTube videos. But when they start searching more and they they find a specific problem, it might be your club's video that solves that specific problem. Yeah. And that's like, that's literally what YouTube's for. It's supposed to be about solving problems, right? Yep. So I'm, I'm, yeah, keep doing that. Do it. Do it more. Don't stop. Even when you get back together, (coughs) put those cameras on, record the thing. Do it. Okay. Thank you for the email, Dave. The next email is titled SolarCon A99. This is from Douglas. A buddy who is also one of my Elmers came over on Memorial Day and helped me get my SolarCon A99 in the air. Heard more on CW than I usually do. It's about 15 feet in the air. We raised the tram 1480 to about 15 feet. My buddy brought over his SWR meter and his portable HF rig that a99 has a, had 1.3 SWR on CB and less than 2.0 on 40 meters. Obviously used a tuner just in case. Using his 891 and the A99, I was able to get my first HF contact on 10 meters. Got me excited to study more and pass my general test. I don't particularly like heights, so getting on the ladder is to the peak of the ham shack. I don't think the ladder much liked me up on there either. <laughs> the ladder don't know. <laughs> and Doug sign, Douglas signs off. 73, Douglas, K-I-7-L-I-K. Thank you so much for the email, Doug. I'm glad like you it. got that up. Very good. The next email is titled Tucson Trip. And this is in reference to, again, the Biosphere 2 uh, trip we are biosphere kicking around. Biosphere 1 is the Earth. Yes. Biosphere 1 is apparently the Earth. Thank you, Matt, who is on the HRCC podcast channel on the Discord, <laughs> who I'm sure listened to it and went, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> biosphere 1 is the Earth. So it is here, what and is here? we're living in it. That's yes. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. A biosphere. So we're we're no longer going to biosphere two because we have biosphere one. Because Leia realized (laughs) it's hot. Yeah, (laughs) we actually will go to biosphere two when it cools down. But again, that is in Tucson, Arizona. And Jeff writes in, I must have missed some podcasts, so please forgive me if someone has already mentioned this. But if you are going to the Tucson area, you must take Jack. Jim, or whatever people call him now, to the Titan II Missile Museum. Yes. There he can connect his Shegu G90 to the 80-foot-tall discone antenna yes. complements of the Green Valley Arc. The website is titanmissilemuseum.org and look under Plan Your Visit. And that's from Jeff, W0JMW. And I will drop the link for that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, yes. So the the large disco antenna at the Titan Museum is one of my ham radio 
goals. Oh, hit. wow. Yeah, it's super cool. So so this is now a ham radio trip is where we're where it's a ham radio trip with a detour well, to the I, I would argue I would argue that like <laughs> this destination is a is a Josh destination. Like it is it is the Titan Missile Museum is gonna be for me. Mm-hmm. And the disco antenna for me, mm-hmm. unless the kids get like big into radio, because it's 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 a radio activation spot. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of people who are like, oh no, that's like a thing. It's super cool to be able to activate from there. Okay, but like as of right now, really, Josh is still the big ham radio contact person in the family. The yeah, I was talking about Biosphere like, too. It, that's not necessarily close. I mean, I know everything, like when we think about California, everything's like huge, but even to Arizona standards, they're not like super close. The museum to mm-hmm. the biosphere? They're What'd all they in Tucson. Are they? They're not. Okay. If is they that... are, that's not bad. Well, that's a, that's a cool trick I can play. That is a you trick. You guys in, go enjoy the smelly air of... Uh, biosphere 2 and i'm gonna i'm gonna go play radio at the titan what if biosphere 2 had a ham radio shack in it too i mean that would make sense that would be smart if they did (laughs) you're still gonna send us alone (laughs) Polly shore's in there making air filters out of uh cigarettes (laughs) get in there kids the next email is titled "My Dad HF," and if I go missing, oh, hey, Leia, and what a what yeah. a pregnant uh, pause of a subject title. This is from Ben, not our Ben. Uh, ben K zero K O four. Like that, it could be our Ben. P L J. Hey, Leia, and that guy that knows stuff about radios. Thank you for always Thanks. providing some great content. I'll take some Link has been something about radios. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay. Length has been perfect for keeping me going while working outside as we get into summertime. Although here in Florida, it's pretty much all the time. We are your number one yard work podcast. (laughs) That's right. I have been enjoying tinkering with my HTs, getting on repeaters, joining nets. I started working satellites with a Yagi my dad gave me. He has been in radio as part of his profession since before I was born as a part of our county EMS comms division. Wow, very good. That's awesome. He has had his hand license for years, and many of his coworkers do, but has never had a radio of his own or really been on the air. His recent retirement and my interest in ham radio gave me the unique opportunity to connect with my dad through radio. I think that's great. I recently gave my dad an HT for his birthday, and I hope to start talking on the repeaters, even do a little simplex to keep in touch. Do you guys have any tips to get him going? Um, um, well, pro- you mean go hang out with him, program the radio with him. You actually gave your stepdad a radio, and I feel like every time we go out to Solving to see, to Solving's see them, not a great spot though. Because yeah, of the, but he the he always has the radio you gave him. I know he out. sets it up. Yeah, it's, it's really never nice. out there, and then he sets it up. Yeah, I, I didn't think it's great. I think it it's is. really nice. He's he's an amazing person. Um, yeah. So set up the radio, like program it with him. 
and then go through like the scanning process and explain why scanning is important and have fun with all that. But also you said like his profession had something to do with radio too, right? Like, so he knows a little bit about this, right? Yeah, he's. it says he's been in radio as part of his uh, profession as part of the county EMS comms division. Well, so maybe that's the answer is he needs to, we, we need to figure out what those frequencies are for the local, um, whatever the ham radio support version of that EMS group is, or, you know, whatever their first responder group, Aries, Racies, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And make sure you get him clued into those. I, I would, I would argue it's probably actually pretty easy to do for the county you're in that, that he lives, the, your father, you contact them and say like, you know, I got my dad, he, he's uh, interested in being involved with whatever it is, Aries, Racies, Salvation Army, you know, whatever. Red Cross. Red Cross. You know, what? what is, uh, what's active there? You know, get them, get them signed up on the email list, get them, get them moving in, in the space of, you know, whatever their communications are that they're doing and have them just get involved that way. Maybe attend some of the meetings with them, that kind of thing. That would be fun. Cool. Ben continues, next, I have my general and I want to get into HF and I really want to focus on digital modes. I need to do more research on how to do this. Josh, your videos will help me there. I'd like to have something semi-portable, but I'm also not opposed to putting up a tower in the backyard. I have a good computer. What radio recommendation would you make in this regard? Any other thoughts to guide my research? Man, I mean, you, you probably already know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say ICOM 7300. Okay. It is semi-portable. You can go buy an Apache case at Harbor Freight that will fit it perfectly. And it is one USB cable to connect from your computer to the radio. I cannot state how important that is for doing digital communication. It makes the whole aspect of all of it so much easier. You have one cable. It connects to a computer. You set it up. It's very easy to do. And if you get a laptop and you go portable with a laptop, guess what? It's still one cable. It makes it so easy to use. And if you wanted to run a tower in the backyard and you wanted to have radios like that, the 7300 is perfect for that. It's a, it's a good it's a good base station that is still small enough that it, it could be taken portable. And I think what's the uh, there's a there's a company. I'm it's not Goal Zero. Goal Zero is the wrong term. Something. Uh, Something like that. They make uh, tactical side rails that you can put on the 7300. That'll give it a little bit of protection on the front. Hmm. Um, I'll look it up right now as you keep talking. But Okay. Oh, well, Dan, or I'm sorry, Ben continues. Lastly, a topic for the preparedness corner. I appreciated the discussion on safes. I just bought a large gun safe a few months back, something I really needed. In addition to keeping standard documents, I am working on if I go missing slash go into a coma folder to put in the safe. Oh, that's not a bad idea. I am, that was actually going to be another preparedness mm. corner. Portable yeah. Zero. Portable Zero is the name of the rails that you can get for the 7300, amongst other radios. But yeah, good stuff. I'm compiling all of my passwords, lock combos, account information, ways to access my cryptocurrency, all in the event something happens to me and my wife or parents need to access it. I have heard stories of families that are financially stranded or unable to access personal documents that would aid in searching for a missing family member. What are your thoughts on this? You should absolutely do this. 100%. Like, imagine everything that your family would need in terms of information from you. 
mm-hmm. and write it all down, provide it if you don't already have like your birth certificates, your the deed to your home and all of your other properties. Interestingly, um, I had a friend whose husband, um, he was actually older, I think he was like at least 10 years older than her. But he passed away like unexpectedly unexpectedly and uh she though a a very smart engineer had kind of left everything up to him to handle so she was quite lost for a bit and the in-laws entered the picture and really tried to push her around including uh, he had a very large gun collection i ended up getting involved in that a little bit to yeah. explain like dude these are you can't well one california doesn't work that way you can't just have in-laws right. show up from texas and like take the guns no they were from state. arizona and they they basically wanted i like to, to take, say they're from texas no <laughs> I don't, I don't. and uh they wanted to take his entire gun collection and that was claiming that they owned part of them no. and he was holding them yeah and he he actually had a lot of documentation but i believe some were actually family um, maybe maybe but you got to be really careful with that kind of stuff yeah. particularly firearms in general and not just a california thing like you need to guns should have paperwork except for depending on what state you live in there's some states that don't require that person-to-person transfers no problem with that i'm totally on board but at the same time, if you do own firearms like that, it's kind of worth it to put a piece of paper, even if it's an index card in your records, it says, you know, this is what this gun is. This is what I paid for it. This is kind of what I think it's worth relatively. Mm-hmm. It was a person to person transfer, um, you know, whatever you can sell for it. You could even put it at the bottom might be a pain in the ass to deal with with an FFL or, mm-hmm. you know, it, you will have to person to person it. And at Maybe the end of each one, just note that it fell off a boat. Well, no, because <laughs> that's not, <laughs> not going to work if you're trying to, like, sell it. Yeah, right? I'm, like, I'm joking. I understand. Yeah. But, like, if your family wants to maybe sell the extra guns that they don't need... Or maybe they they're need worth the something. funds. Yeah, or, you yeah. know, they're they're worth a lot in a lot of cases. It, it helps them out. And the same goes for radios, right? Explain possibly an index card or your HRO receipts, right? Those HRO receipts we keep. I mean, you need all of that if you have um, any kind of homeowner's insurance that you want coverage for right. anyway. Right, So keeping a list of your assets. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to pause this conversation right here because it was planned for a future preparedness corner Mm -hmm. uh but ben you are absolutely on the right track this is something that you should do and both you should digitize them too by the way should do it and there should be duplicates but but a digitized copy uh, uh, like take a picture of the receipt save it off right because as we've talked about as we've talked about with fire with with fires you could lose it all, right? If your fire if your fire safe is not up to the task, you you'd lose it all. You're done. You've got right. no you've got no coverage. Yeah, that's a horrible day. It's true. Uh, keep being awesome, Ben continues. Seventy three, Ben K O four P L J. Thank you so much, Ben. I hope uh, some of those questions were answered for you. The next email is titled "Not First and Not Last." <laughs> it's just a new trend. A new trend is is, is coming forward. 
And this is from Rob. Greetings, Leah and Josh. Hope all is 5'9 with our left coast amateur radio power couple. <laughs> First who's, off, the, who's the East Coast power couple? We need to take them out. <laughs> it's an East Coast v. West Coast rivalry. First off, thank you for all you do to popularize and support amateur radio. It is refreshing how you engage with other amateur radio enthusiasts, answer questions from extremely basic to the bizarre, and provide equipment reviews and recommendations. On May 26th, I passed the Element 4, and I'm looking forward to accessing the VIP ranges of amateur radio spectrum. Side note, my post-exam celebratory beverage tasted most excellent in my HRCC extra pint glass. Ooh, all right. I would like to ask for your thoughts about a HF station I have in mind. Well, congratulations on passing your yeah, element four. Big congrats. Uh, sounds like a radio upgrade is incoming. <laughs> Radio upgrade incoming. The ICOM IC7300 seems like a solid choice for my first HF transceiver. Admittedly, many features for a newbie, but the rig will serve me well over time. I live in an HOA community, so my immediate antenna situation is portable, i.e. temporary. I am considering an HOA-friendly Wolf River Coils Take It Along 1000 or a Magnetic Loop. Long time... Or long-term, perhaps an attic installation of some kind. What would you recommend for a power supply for the ICOM 7300? Linear or switching power supply and what output? I watched a video where you were running an MFJ uh, 4245MV, but your power needs would appear to far exceed mine. Hmm. What, What was the model at the end there that he said? The MFJ... Uh, he was referring to a video you were running, the MFJ forty two forty five MV. I don't know if that's the one that I have. Well, I'll continue while you're looking it up. Since I will be running a portable antenna, I think I am an, an I am thinking an antenna tuner would be a must have piece of equipment. Lastly, are there any must have pieces of equipment a new HF operator should have? So a couple of good questions. I like the PowerWorks power supplies. And, and by the way, I'm not affiliated with any of these power supplies that I'm giving you. Uh, the, the PowerWorks power supplies are dead simple, and they have Anderson connections, which is like spot on. That's exactly what you want. Okay, so yes, the uh, the MFJ 40, what was it, 45, what was it? That is a 4245 MV. Okay. Yeah, so that is a big boy power supply. You you that puts out a lot of power. I think it's yeah, it's a forty five amp power supply. That is more than enough for a seventy three hundred. Uh, what I was using that for is to run multiple VHF UHF stations, and also being the bench power supply for when I was running like QRP radios that was under test or any radio that I was doing a review on. That is the power supply I use uh, for the seventy three hundred. I actually have like a real simple uh, MFJ Anderson power pole or, or um, power pole connection switching power supply. Just a little little boy uh, with a digital display. The thing to keep in mind with power supplies is you want one that is not going to put out a bunch of noise. There's a video that um, I need to, to put a little bit of work on, but... I've I've learned something, and it, it actually came out of the YouTuber's Hamfest. 
that there is kind of a flaw in some power supplies that I think makes them dirtier on the air and and in supplying power than they really should be. It's this ground jumper that exists on on a lot of power supplies. So snipping that thing is actually a really good idea. And so I, I may talk about that in a future video. But those PowerWorks power supplies don't have it. And uh, HRO sells them. PowerWorks, you need, I, I would argue, 30 amp power supply for a 7300 gives you more than enough ceiling to uh, take that all the way up to full power. 30 amp power supply. Okay, so what else do you need? Well, if you're using a Wolf River coil or a loop, you definitely do not want to use a tuner. You don't need a tuner at all. The Both those antennas um, specifically need to function in, in resonance, and they're, they're physically adjustable to be in resonance. So you don't want to run a tuner with those. With that said, if you wanted to put up like a permanent antenna, if you're going to use boy, like uh, an off-center fed dipole, you you may want to just touch up the the antenna with the tuner. Or if you had a N-fed half wave and you were like all the way down on 80 meters and it wasn't working perfectly, you may want to touch it up with the 3-to-1 tuner that was already on board with the, uh, the 7300. That would be fine. You would add an external tuner if you were going to use something that was specifically outside of band. That could be a 9-to-1 uh, random wire antenna, a long wire antenna, or possibly, I had lots of problems with the G5RVs. G5RV, I needed a, a proper full uh, broadband tuner to do that. I needed something over 10 to 1 capability to make that resonant. Or again, I didn't make the antenna resonant. I just tricked the transceiver to think it was resonant. That would be where you would need a tuner, but my argument is don't do that. Get get yourself a good multiband dipole, an, uh, a Wyndham, as they're called, an off-center fed dipole is the same thing, or a good resonant N-fed half-wave would be my argument. And start, um, hell, if you got the space, DX Commander. A DX Commander vertical antenna is going to be 100% resonant on all those bands. 40... 20, 15, 10, and I believe there's even an 80 if you have the classic, you do like an inverted L kind of thing. Yeah, that, that that's the way I would argue to go. Uh, a, a DX Commander is a fantastic antenna to, to get if you're interested in going that route. And one of the questions was linear or switching power supply? So linear is always going to be much cleaner from a purity standpoint in putting out RF and, and adding weird spurious emissions or just rfi on your your waterfall the linear is always going to be better but that's not very portable those are big power supplies there's a big honkers it's it's not something that you would necessarily want to drag outside of your shack like that's going to be a good shack power supply great use a linear at home um if you wanted to go portable then then use a switching power supply okay uh robert Signs off. Thank you again, both of you, and to the moderators. Keep up the outstanding oh, yeah. work. Thoroughly enjoy the podcast, live feed, Facebook page, Discord, etc. Your efforts are greatly appreciated. 
Leia, stay committed to studying. You can do this. As Buzz Lightyear might say, to general and beyond. Is there a (laughs) t-shirt idea in there? Hope you both have a sparkling day. 73-KA7-WDW. Resonate, radiate, and propagate. That's right. P.S. Curious, Josh, why didn't you change to a shorter call sign available to amateur extras? I just haven't had the time. Yeah. I'll get a vanity eventually. I would love to have a vanity. A one by two? Oh my gosh. Or a two by one? That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I'm not against it. Um, again, my, my call sign was given to me by the FCC and it's fine. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Hope those uh, questions were answered. The next email is titled Apartment Antennas and this is from Russ. Hey, Leia and Josh. The I apartment just... antenna. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just finished the latest edition and heard the guy in Russia talking about living in an apartment and can't get on the air. I remember that there is a series of antennas that was designed for small spaces. I know that MFJ has a couple of options, MFJ 1786 and MFJ 1622. Yes. He could also maybe use one of those ATA antennas or ATAS? ATAS. ATAS antennas, or try to move to a vacant apartment, like you all said. I would like to know Josh's opinion on a Lindenblad dual band antenna. <laughs> From what I can tell, okay. it is circularly polarized and omnidirectional, which supposedly removes the need for an azimuth slash elevation rotor. They look relatively easy to construct, and I have most of the materials necessary to build it. Russ provides a link. Oh, um, I'm looking at it. What a it. funky thing. And I will drop that in the show notes. Anyhow, back to you at HRCC Podcast HQ, 73-KC5-CNT-Russ. HRCC number vermont north vermont email correspondent (laughs) okay so a a lindenblad is basically a multi it's a bunch of dipoles that are configured in a way that makes them circularly polarized or omnidirectional this makes them good for receiving but not necessarily good for transmitting if if you thought about it in the purest sense If I wanted to water a very specific tree in my garden, the solution wouldn't be to put a sprinkler that sprays water 360 degrees in all direction. (laughs) It would be to take a hose, literally with no nozzle, and just point it at the tree and and water it. Mm -hmm. That's generally the argument for that. Circular polarized antennas are nice, though, particularly when you want to receive um, satellite communications because you can get them, you know, high enough in the air that they're not obstructed by physical obstructions and you'll be able to pull down like NOAA weather and, you know, other things that other signals that may be coming in. And that's, that's nice. But, you know, as many people will tell you, friends don't let friends buy egg beater antennas. Friends don't let friends blah, 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 when it comes to these omnidirectional satellite antennas. Because you're burning up a lot of your power on, on the transmit. On the receive, though, it's probably going to be okay. Now, before you completely are sold, or, or, you know, turned off by the whole concept, go go listen or watch uh, the live stream I did with Sean Kutzko, the second part satellite video where we talked about kind of the everyman station. I wanted to, to d- 
dive more into Sean's setup. And he has a very pragmatic way about going uh, through a lot of what he does, and, and I think it, it's good, and I think it actually includes omnidirectional antennas to, to make satellite contacts. So I don't know that that's exactly what you wanted or hoped I would say about it, but um, it, it's definitely, by the way, that's definitely a fun project. And I think you you do pretty well with that on uh, Noah weather uh, receiver type stuff. That would be fun, but yeah, that w- that's kind of what I would say about that. Okay, well, thank you so much for the email, Russ. Yeah, thank you, Russ. And the next email is titled "Salad." Oh, and this is from Jason. I do like a good salad. Leia and that other guy. Excuse me. I just watched Josh's video on the Shark RF hamsticks and the chameleon spider and got another t-shirt. Oh, by the way, um, no one has seen that. The only people who can see that are the patrons and the YouTube members. So he's literally talking about stuff that no one has seen right now. Okay. Well, he's talking about super secret squirrel stuff. (laughs) Everybody who's not a super secret squirrel. Uh, there is apparently a it. video about shark RF hamsticks, and it's it's and shark chameleon. hamsticks. It's not shark RF. Okay, bit uh, of a bit of a clarification. Shark RF makes a completely different product. Okay. Shark hamsticks, shark hamsticks, and chameleon spider. Mm-hmm. And got another shirt idea. He kept mentioning the SWR curve looks like a salad bowl. Oh, hence my idea. Mm. A picture of a salad bowl with SWR is the salad bowl of residence under it. That's not a bad idea. Oh, Josh is very excited about this. Because you can literally draw the antenna analyzer. It's like a um, an, X, an XY graph. Okay. With vertical dotted lines. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then you, you can have a, you know, it's a reverse parabola, mm-hmm. right? And then in the parabola, you could fill it with lettuce. Okay. And say the bottom is the where the resonance is. Okay. Or something like that. All right. That, that, that would be fun. Oh, well, hey. Jason, if we make this shirt, you're getting one. I like that. Till my next idea, keep up the great work. Yeah, don't Jason K A T S G Hammock Radio. And I'll uh, post Jason's um, Hammock Radio link in the show notes. Thank you so much. The next email is titled Howdy. And this is from Rob. Hi there, Josh. In all seriousness, has there ever been a person who has received as much enthusiastic acclaim for earning a ham radio license as Leia? No. Congrats, I don't Leia. know of one. We are all very proud of you. Thank you, everyone. You were along for the journey, encouraging me. You know what? And here I am, a tech. <laughs> we're almost we're almost five D chess at this point because I started the podcast to just get you licensed. Okay, but then everybody. This was not a plan of mine. Everybody just like poured out with these wonderful statements. Amazing. Just really. Wonderful comments. And I, you're like. I'm so grateful. I can't <laughs> let them down. Exactly. And it became like its own, like, <laughs> it's, it's its own perpetual motion machine that's causing you to dive in deeper. It's just, it's just I could not have planned this better if I tried. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> This is uh, um, so Rob continues Leia on another T-shirt idea on the front HRC official HRCC email correspondent on the back, either racing to be last or the line between last and first is racer thin. Which is true. And just for kicks, maybe have K1MAZ in Morse code underneath. That's, Nathan's call That's sign. not bad. 
All those are really good ideas. Yeah. Thanks for letting us have a part in your podcast. I do Rob, like the concept K-I-5-G-F-L. of K-I-5-G-F-L. I'm still going back to like the pocket, the pocket shirt idea. Okay, so I have found a place that does pocket shirts, but they can't. It's like a tiny uh, area. It can't be that, like above it, above no, the pocket. They won't. Like a piece of paper, like a slip that's in the I pocket. I think it's too hard to customize oh without God. like... Because when you're printing... I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. I'm so sorry. I'm frustrated by this. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rob. <clears throat> if we make the shirt, you're getting one. And the next email is titled, Electronic Experimentation. Mm-hmm. And this is from Jeff. Hi, Leia and Josiah. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm at so work biblical. listening to Joshua wasn't good enough on a <laughs> biblical scale. <laughs> So I'm at work listening to your podcast, and I hear the emails about electronic experimentation. It caused a flashback of my childhood and all the experiences of amateur electronic and electrical projects. When I was five, I had a walkie-talkie set that used 9-volt batteries, and due to my family being poor, there wasn't much money for fresh batteries. I pulled out the battery, and the gear started turning. I went to the kitchen and pulled out some aluminum foil, rolled up two pieces, and shoved them in the contacts of the yes, yes. Then I beelined for an outlet to recharge the battery. Yeah. Okay. I did not for expect what? it to go this. I did not expect it to go this way. Lights out in the room and in my eyes. I woke up with my dad doing chest compressions and a burn on my hand. Having survived the worst result of stupidity, my mind can conjure with electronics. He must have been holding both sides uh, of that. You sounds like it. The I have, current literally passed across his chest through oh, his yeah. heart. Yikes. I have always had a draw towards figuring out how appliances work. After the third stereo, I pulled After apart. After they tried to kill me, and then yeah. I vowed to kill them back. <laughs> this is a revenge story. This is a re- <laughs> Continue. (laughs) After the third stereo I pulled apart when I was nine, my parents bought me a Radio Shack project kit. And then they said, don't kill yourself, son. (laughs) I still use a breadboard as a 47-year-old and still often fry components trying to overdrive them. Good for you. Nothing whops like an overdriven LED. (laughs) As a lifelong Trekkie, I would say that Leia is more likely a, a TOS yellow skirt or a TNG red shirt command all the way. <laughs> TNG red shirt? Yeah. That, those are the ones that die. She no, wants to be next Diana generation. Troy. Yeah, TNG. Yeah. TOS is the original series. The red shirts are, are Picard and... What? Jean-Luc Picard wears a red shirt. Are you are you sure about this? Oh man, now I'm not. <laughs> Jesus. I know Wesley Crusher wears a red shirt. <laughs> That's the worst example. He's he's wearing he's wearing like a dorky sweater in in like most of uh in, in, in the first couple of seasons. Oh crap, you're right. He is wearing red. Damn it. <laughs> Oh, that's right. There's the whole switch. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm well, sorry. that's why it's a TOS. Yeah, red the engineers shirt. are yeah, red yeah, shirt. Okay, okay, fine. Uh, I have a T-shirt idea. On the front of the shirt is an eye rolling Leia with a thought bubble that says, "Don't say it." 
handing an overexcited Josh a Baofeng, and he's saying, hailing frequencies open. Feel free to replace people with bad stick figures. <laughs> Love the pod, 73, Jeff, make it and fix it, KJ7UHH. Well, I agree Thank with your, you, Jeff. I agree with your comments on, on breaking stuff. So, you know, I'm I, so glad you're alive, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I would like to point out, isn't it funny that um, when kids are younger, they blow things up with electronics, like to the point that they, they could be hurting themselves and everybody's like, oh, they're experimenting. Oh, that's so much fun. But then when we get older and we want to be, you know, safe when we're safely experimenting yeah. with electronics with things that cost like pennies pennies these components <laughs> cost pennies and it was like oh no we can't do anything like that you need to go how to learn how to be an electronic engineer bullshit like come on as a child when you were taking apart your kid your your dad's drill and you were just open mains touching the wires and you're like hey i woke up 15 minutes later and i was still breathing so hey we're good <laughs> versus now it's like you have adults in a safe space that they're have breadboards and they're playing mm-hmm. around with safe stuff and it's like oh whoops they killed a couple of components and everybody's like shame <laughs> you've committed a, a, an, an unreversible sin it's like every person who's throwing shade at anybody about electrical like things that they've gotten into mm-hmm. i bet you they were the exact kid who put something into the mains line never got over shot it. their hair vertical and then became like an engineer, like when they were a kid, right? Like they, yeah. they just went down that path. So just because somebody found this path like later than you, don't give them a hard time about it. Help them out. Sure. Be a part sure. of like encouraging people. Don't make them feel bad. God. So we're down to the last three emails. The last three emails. And I bring this up. Because this email is titled Star Trek Information. Oh, here we go. And it's from Nathan. Oh, Nate. Oh. So, two from the last. (laughs) So sorry, Nathan. Nathan. Okay. You're just going to have to wait and see who is going to be last this time. All right, Nathan. Here we go. Hello, so-called Star Trek fans. Oh, here we go. Nice podcast last week, especially since you touched on one of my favorite subjects, Star Trek. Josh, are you more of an original series and Next Generation viewer, or did you also watch Deep Space Nine and Voyager? Deep Space Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek series. Yes, I am am Next Generation. Particularly when the Brood Wars kicks off. Well, Leia was completely correct. I don't even know that that's right. I'm pretty sure it is. Well, Leia was completely correct. I just had to repeat that again in talking about a green uniform color. Now, it is true green, green uniforms were not often seen in TOS and TNG, with a few exceptions. On the other hand, green uniforms were used in every episode of Deep Space Nine and Voyager. I have included oh, a collage the Wars. of I'm pictures totally sorry. I'm confusing featuring so many a worlds. green uniform. What was that? Uh, no, it's the Dominion War in, ah, in DS9. I I'm, I'm like getting confused with a video game. Anyway, what were you saying? I, I got so focused on Star Trek or, or looking that up. Well, green uniforms were used in every episode of Deep Space Nine and Voyager. 
Nathan included a oh, collage wow. of pictures featuring a green uniform. Show me a green uniform in DS9. Two of the pictures are of me. One is a child Wait, wearing a TNG uniform that's green. And one of me pointing to the uniform since I can't fit it anymore. The third picture is a collage of Dr. Julian Bashir of Deep Space Nine. And the last is of the Doctor from Voyager. It's important to note that there is a slow transition from blue being science and medical to green being science and medical on TNG. Whoa. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. This is, and I will drop this uh, picture, of course, in the... Oh, that's a sad blue. But yes, sa- you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Josh, I hope you feel you are not being picked on for every no, little not. word you say on the podcast. But I am, but we I don't <laughs> We enjoy your free speech, although sometimes we think it's funny. We all need to think about how late you are recording these podcasts, as I'm sure it is late as you're reading it. No, I I challenge anybody to turn a microphone on for three hours and just talk. (laughs) I challenge anyone to do that and and dip into 40K and Star Trek and all this other stuff, (laughs) as well as ham radio, and be like, yeah, no, I got most of it right. I'm pretty satisfied by that. Also, I... I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to be wrong. Of course I'm going to be wrong. And uh, and yes, Julian Bashir, looking at that, I would qualify that as green. So yes, that works. And it's very medical green, actually. That, like, medical color green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which okay. is crazy. So, by the way, which is crazy to me because I watched... God, I've watched... I've watched all of TSG and all of uh, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine I've watched, I think, multiple times, uh, but uh, not the um, early episodes. I, I got uh, th- those early episodes kind of suck, but uh, I, I am a, I'm a fan of the action at the end. I, I'm Anywhere the Defiant is rolling around, I'm kind of a big fan of the Defiant. It's probably my favorite Federation ship. Okay. So hot. There, there's my hot nerd, <laughs> nerd comment. Nathan continues, and I know it's a long road to hoe to Mm -hmm. watch all Star Trek and remember all, including uniform colors. It's not like green uniforms were in more than half of Star Trek episodes, including with Chief (laughs) O'Brien, although he's wearing gold. He's wearing gold. (laughs) What does this have to do with ham radio? Absolutely nothing. No. I did, however, get my first few six meters and 10 meters uh, single sideband contacts, including a 10 meter POTA contact from Vermont to West Virginia, I believe. My six, six meter contacts were to Georgia and Florida from Vermont. Very good. If, yeah. you, if you want, if you want hot, hot Star Trek talk, uh, go watch Red Letter Media. Mike in particular, is the Star Trek aficionado. And the, uh, the, the drama of Captain Kirk v. Mike is amazing. <laughs> it's so sad and yet so funny. So that's what I'll say. Nathan signs off. Thanks, as always, for the podcast, 73K1MAZ. Nathan, Star Trek encyclopedia reader. Yes, there is such a thing called Star Trek encyclopedia. There is, yeah. I know. And I know. Uh, Nathan has given a picture that I can drop in the Discord. He's given a picture of him in a yeah. <laughs> Federation green outfit holding the encyclopedia in question. Um, I do want to note that if you send me a picture, please let me know if you don't want it on the Discord. Yeah, because it's going to go on the Discord. By yeah. the way, Leia is posting all the pictures that you guys send to our Discord. Hammer Radio Crash Course Discord link is in the podcast show notes. So you can yes. follow the action over there. 
And it's a yeah. lot of fun because uh, you can talk directly to Leia and I at any time, pretty much. Yeah, and people have noted, Nick in particular, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's really nice to be able to see the images we're referencing in Mm -hmm. the podcast. So, Because great images are sent over, including ones of our Corgi army. Yes, we're growing the Corgi (laughs) army. We've added a a new Corgi emoji. Really? Ethan's dog um, was very angry at Ethan's chainsaw. (laughs) <laughs> and made the funniest face I've ever seen a, a one of a, a a corgi make, and so it's now an emoji that Cam amazing, made. Amazing, amazing! Thank you, Nathan, email correspondent. Sorry, you were not last this time. Very close, though. Well, let's see who's second. Well, this is funny because I know this person also attempts to beat out Nathan. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's titled "Use People from Brantley." Use people, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, Queen of the Castle and Lord of the Underground. It's, uh, again, B. Murphy, the emailer of unquestioning one-upping attempt. Okay, okay, I'm annoying myself. I have (laughs) a 88-foot My Antennas EFLW 3K photo attached. I'm curious as to see as to using both the nine to one and four to one unun connections for the system. Is it even plausible? And I'm going to bring it up so that you can see um, if it's plausible to. And I think those those are notes. Yeah, no, I'm familiar with it. Okay, keep going. Okay. Uh, I have been having a lot of fun the last two weeks on 10 meters and have made my first simplex QSOs out of state, California, Washington, Nevada, Arizona, and Oregon, and even my first DX QSO into BC, Canada. So in preparation of being able to use six meters eventually, I'd like to add a more resonant length of wire for such an, for such an addition to the 88 feet. That being said, I wonder what could be done with the additional 4 to 1 unun connections currently not being used. I feel like I'm rambling a bit, so I hope I'm making sense. As always, keep it up. You two are great. Thank you. 73 and 73, Nate, shame or gotcha. <laughs> so, sorry, B. Murphy. Uh, that is KJ7MOE. You did get Nathan because you are later You're technically than him. ahead of Nathan. But. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's the deal on that. Can you show me the picture again? Because I'm already, I'm really, yeah. actually, I need you to forward me that email too. Because, okay. So, wow. Four to one and nine to one. Interesting. So that implies that there is multiple windings or multiple transformers that are either on the same toroid or it's a separate transformer going on inside that box to give you four to one or nine to one, or maybe they're just tapping off of part of it and they're calling it four to one V nine to one. So nine to one ununs are traditionally used for random wire antennas. And when we say random wire, we don't mean like, eh, I just cut like 38 feet and I just put it up in the air. No, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's literally what they're saying by random wire is non resonant length. So there are there are um, wire links you can look up that are considered non-resonant antennas. And basically, it's going to be links of antennas that are outside the ham radio bands, non-resonant antennas. 
And then the tuner, and you must have a, an appropriate tuner to handle a 9-to-1 on-on, much better than a 3-to-1 generally, more like a 10-to-1, is going to be able to, to bring that into some form of resonance that you can be able to put a, a signal out on. So a 4-to-1. So the closest examples of, of when I've used a 4-to-1 are as follows. The uh, G5RV coming off of the G5RV out of the balanced line feeder I fed it with a 4 to 1 anon, and it seemed to work pretty well. For a long wire horizontal loop or a sky loop, a whole band, full loop sky loop antenna, you generally use a 4 to 1 anon. And I believe, I think, that um, the, ha- uh, the off-center fed dipole uses a 4 to 1 anon. I could be wrong on that, though. Those are going to be the closest ex- examples of, of what I think you would use that for. I okay. think those antennas. So you got a couple of options. I'd, I'd go with the random wire to start, assuming that you have an appreciable uh, tuner to make that work. Okay, here we go. Okay. I I think you answered Brent Lou's question. Yeah, but here we go. Last email. Last email, and it is from Ivan. Uh, Ivan? R2AZR. Here we go. I'm not sure that Ivan even meant... Ivan's like, I just woke up. Now I email. Yeah. <laughs> Hunting and antennas. Greetings. Insert funny description of Josh and Leia here. Excellent. Well played. <laughs> First, some news. I've gone out into the wild to try and hunt myself a QSO on the past weekend. An elusive beast it is, this QSO. I've almost succeeded. One station responded to my call, but the response was that my call sign was not readable. Oh, man. Or so I tell myself. It might have been someone else who got to that station. No wonder, with 15 watts into random wire with a 5 to 1 SWR at best match. Oh, man. I decided not to risk blasting full power into that SWR. It did have a better match at 20 and 10 meters, but those bands were quite deserted for summer weekend day. So I stayed at 40 meters, which had loud stations all over. Next time, I will arm myself with a resonant antenna, and with my 24 watts on my side, the QSOs shall not escape me. To improve my chances, I must ask for some advice from a seasoned hunter concerning hoisting the antenna up into a tree. Mm-hmm. I've tried throwing a line with random he- uh, with a random heavy object on the end into a tree, but neither does it go very high, nor do I have good enough aim to hit the gap that I want. I know you recommend the special arborist weights and line, but they seem rather expensive for what they are. How special are they, and how much do they help with either of these issues? Also, how important is it to get the line as high as possible? Oh, I, I got a quick solution for you then. Go grab yourself like a plastic baggie. Like a Ziploc? Yeah, like a Ziploc. Um, it's going to break when it hits the ground. But okay. you, know, you can just get you more. You can't just use a sock? You could use a sock. Hell, that's... <coughs> wow. <coughs> oh, whoa. Whoa. I was not prepared for that level of revolutionizing the concept here. Grab a sock. I mean, would the sock get caught or something? Is that why people don't use it? Sure. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're breaking... This is this is un 
uncharted territory where we're going right now. I, I, I like this sh- sock experiment we're doing. I think we should roll with it. I think we should. Um, I was going with a plastic bag because it's like slippery and plastic, but I like a big, dirty gym sock with like five <laughs> pounds of weight that we just huck into a tree. I, I, I like where this is going. I, I, I say live dangerously when we're, when we're approaching this. So whether you go plastic bag or sock. Why does it have to be dirty? It could be a clean sock. You know? I want you to hike five miles and pull your sock off and throw a bunch of rocks into it and and huck that thing into a tree as hard as you can. You could pack an extra sock. No. That's a waste of space, man. That's weight. You could have more water. Come on. Priorities. Get it together. Wow. Okay. So whether you go plastic bag or sock, as Leia has interjected... um, just throw a bunch of pebbles into it and get it to a point that it's like three pounds. Um, three a, pounds is a lot. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot but to fit in a sock. That's a lot. Pebbles. In a sock. Plastic bag's probably too much. You, you probably go like a, a pound, maybe like that. Uh, and then tie off the line. Hopefully you're, you're using a line that will pass through the trees appropriately. So here's the toss method. Um, some people do like granny style where they spread their legs really wide and then they do like... <laughs> That's not, I don't know why you're laughing. Granny style is like when you throw a basketball with your legs really wide. I I don't know why that's so funny. I don't think that's funny. I'm trying to be serious here about trying to put an uh, an antenna line into a tree. And you just had a total meltdown. Bring the professionalism back for a second if you can. Can you just, can you just, can you just zip it? That just seems like the most inefficient way to throw something. That's like, wait, you have- well, Leia, they got your gym sock that you're recommending, and they're trying to throw it in a tree. I recommend an overhand toss. <laughs> All right, like you know, you like swing it around, right? You're and literally doing the yet yeah, the lasso maneuver. Yes, you're you a horizontal. So you want to get a, a line vertically, and yeah. you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spin it horizontally. Yeah, but like at an angle. You know? So vertically spin yeah, it like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I know that this is good pod because yeah. we're all demonstrating to each other what we're doing. Really but you keep doing this horizontal spin thing okay. like you're trying to rope a calf. <laughs> really yeah in where it's facing when it's whipping you in the face as you spin it that's exactly what you want to do that's fantastic you're killing it i've been asked what do you think of alternative methods so that's why you go with the sock it's a little bit softer when it's smacking you in the face i was thinking about shooting a lead weight with heavy duty braided fishing line on a reel with a slingshot yeah so that i can then pull a thicker cord up with a line and use that to hoist the antenna well i I, i'm getting to where i'm going with this but yes i would i would support the the slingshot idea so there is actually like an arborist throw a lot of people will give you the like um the sidearm left-handed or right-handed however you want to do this where they will rotate it in the direction vertically, like they want to come over the top of the vertical throw and then launch it. Like they want to let it go in one big, like they're going to, they're going to build up like, yes, they're going to spin it like 10 really? times and be like, Pwah! and then Pwah! and throw it up yeah. there. Yeah. So the reality is, is that like you can generate that same energy just on one throw. 
Yeah, you don't need to do it. Energy. You don't need to do like a Scooby Doo, <laughs> spin it as fast as it turns into a just like the line has disappeared and it's just a circle of spinning thing. Like you don't need that. If you just give like a really good outside vertical, like from the mm-hmm. weighted ground, like the the bag is pulling the weight down. If you just give it a really good vertical huck throw over uh-huh. the top, like outside arm it, you'll get way up there. You'll you'll probably get like forty plus feet. Hear up. me out. Okay. What if you pay a bird when to you take pay it a bird for you, <laughs> or like a squirrel, you know? <laughs> and by pay them, this is a long again. First thing you do is train a bird or a squirrel to be your antenna, yes, <laughs> meister of placement, yes. And and you you pay is really just it's another word we use for relationship. That you're <laughs> you, going to build with you give them seeds and nuts seeds and, and nuts and stuff yeah, and it, yeah. it, it, it's a six month process yeah <laughs> but how much is your radio worth at that point like these would be the best contacts you've ever made in your life you really you know because you you're depending on with you you're depending on mother nature's <laughs> yeah. animals to put your antenna in the best place yes yeah and yeah. arguably squirrels yeah the best antenna placers yeah, I mean, I time. think so. I, I mean, you think so. Yeah, you have a wealth of experience. Yeah, you, you took the uh, you took the uh, the Snow White class of of animal husbandry, so yes. you know yeah. how mm-hmm. smart the the forest born animals are. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah, they'll find a way. Right. I mean, they'll they'll float a ribbon and, yeah. and drape it lovingly over your sleeping body. <laughs> Which will befall you as a princess. That's yeah. just part of the job description. Somebody wanted to really put me to sleep. All the time. Yeah. Like, there was always people. There was guys with blowguns. Just every yeah. time you turned a corner, it was like, I was catching blowguns out of the air. It's like, whoa. Where are your birds on this one? Where's your highly trained attack raccoon? Well, that's why I'm still awake, you know? Because of me? Because my birds. Because my birds. Because my birds. And my squirrels. And my squirrels. This is great. This is great pot. We're killing it. So Ivan, boy, uh, man, uh, I I would give you, I I think you're underplaying. So first, don't just grab like, don't just grab like the stones in your hand with the rope attached. He's talking about shooting a lead weight. No, but he's saying he can't get it that far. And and really, you can. With a slingshot. No, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I understand that. I'm saying you don't need that. You just need the rope and a bag or a sock Hear or whatever. Out. What if you attach it mm-hmm. to a bullet and make shoots up? <laughs> Great. How do we how do we tie something to a bullet that's firing out of a rifled barrel? Look, I am ideas, you are logistics. Good. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate where we exist in this space. This is great. Make it happen. I mean, I, I know how to make shoots of something that wouldn't necessarily be like throwing a nine down range to put a tree, uh, an antenna in a tree. But I, I see where you're going. We could use a blank. That would be that would work. Okay, there you go. See. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So again, first thing you do, go down to the the <laughs> supply store, the army supply store. Get yourself a Mosin a Gaunt, and I would say about like five or ten blanks. This, okay. is what, this is the first thing you do to get an antenna on the 
into the air. I mean, it doesn't sound as good as squirrels, but you do what you got to do, you know? Well, I can get it done in like six hours versus <laughs> six months in the case of the animal relationship you have to build. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the and the map teaching. Right? Yeah. Like, we haven't even gotten to the general questions yeah. yet. I just hope <laughs> okay. you understand that. Like. Ivan signs off. Wish me a good hunt. And Ivan, I hope we helped you. Sincerely yours, Ivan R two A C R. P.S. Leia, you did spell Kamchatka right correctly. I don't know if I did it right this time. (laughs) It's the peninsula. You said spelled. Well, I didn't spell anything. I'm assuming you said spelled. You meant pronounce or. I'm assuming pronounce. It's the peninsula. No, I I like. Actually, I'm going to go with what he said. You spelled it correctly in the show notes. You didn't pronounce it right at all, but you spelled it right. Way to go. Did I put it in the show notes? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's the peninsula on the easternmost end of Russia, a land of volcanoes, bears, and weird weather. PPS, fun fact you didn't ask for, in the wake of the episode on rebranding, in Russian, the colloquial name for ham is Radio Yubitel, which literally translates to either radio amateur or radio lover slash enthusiast nice the second word has two meanings unfortunately this doesn't seem to help at all no (laughs) but that's good yeah thank you ivan Mm -hmm. i don't know if we answered your question i think we did i i I think ivan the the sidearm look up an arborist throw um you you don't need okay i'm not stopping you from doing the slingshot but you don't need like a slingshot to get a really good throw up into a tree. It's actually just all technique. You just have to practice. It's Sounds it's good. actually not that hard. All right, thank you, our email correspondence tower, wow. for your wealth of knowledge. Thank you all for your questions, for your kind words, for your funny jokes. Thank you. It's a it's a whole thing. It is. And so it's time. It is. It for is Leia time to continue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the general license test. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Because you did pretty good last week. In the Discord, Mm. somebody said, (laughs) taking the ham test, like the general test, or any of the exams, as a method of studying, is not the right way to go. And he said, every time I answer a question wrong, like he he, uh, related it to a helicopter exam like mm-hmm. a pilot's exam right yeah. you wouldn't go and take the test as practice for for getting your license yeah somebody got gave me a bunch of stuff on that they're like oh yeah hel- helicopter like we don't we don't train pilots that way it's like yeah because you're gonna die it's, well that's it's what radio. I, I think it was leading up to a joke i think okay. you missed the fact that he was leading up to the joke that was every time leia answers a question wrong it's like a mini helicopter crash <laughs> like and it's true. That's what it feels like. <laughs> well, somebody gave me a hard time about talking about like failing. We should oh, fail, but I, they're like, "Well, we don't teach pilots and helicopter pilots that way." It's like, "Well, oh, I yeah, think because I think they're going to kill people." I think you misconstrued um, to no fault of your own. I think it's just the way like a conversation goes on Discord. If you come in halfway through, mm-hmm. he was talking about the fact that I study for my general by taking the test. Yes. Versus reading and studying before taking the test. It wasn't about your failing thing. It was about me studying with the test instead of a book. 
Okay. All right. Well, I am well, I, I didn't take offense either way. I'm just saying, 35. like, hey, you know. Got it. Got it. Okay, here we go. Okay. What is the maximum symbol rate permitted for the RIDI or data emission transmissions on the 10-meter band? <laughs> you got this. A, 56 kilobaud. B, 300 baud. C, 19.6 kilobaud. D, 1200 kilobaud. I am going to go with B, 300 baud. No, it's 1200 baud. Okay. That's just something I think I have to remember. Yeah. So, which of the following narrow band digital modes can receive signals with a very low signal to noise ratio? A, AMTOR, that's A M T O R, mm-hmm. B, MSK 144, C, MFSK 32, D, FT8. Um, <coughs> I'm going to go with FT8. And I am correct. You are correct. Thank yes. you. Yes, good work. Also, we have FT8 socks at Ham Tactical. <laughs> we do, with the waterfall yeah. and the socks. Yes. So who wants socks? Uh, the next question is says, what frequency range is occupied by a 3 kilohertz lower sideband signal when the displayed carrier frequency is set to 1.178 megahertz? Wait, what? Say that again? What frequency range is occupied by a 3 kilohertz lower sideband signal when the display carrier frequency is set to 1.178 megahertz? Okay, okay. Okay, so uh, the first option is A, 7.175 to 7.178 megahertz. B is 7.1765 to 7.1795 megahertz. C is 1.178 to 7.181 megahertz. Uh, And D is 7.178 to 7.184 megahertz. And... I am going to go with B. That is cor- incorrect. <laughs> the <laughs> answer is A, 7.175 to 7.178 megahertz. Yes. I, uh, three okay. kilohertz wide. It's yes. It's three kilohertz. Yeah, I you start have. On, yeah. It's just straight math. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Which of the following devices can be used for impedance matching at radio frequencies? A, transformer. B, a pi network, C, all of these choices are correct. D, a length of transmission line. Mm. I'm going to go with D, a length of transmission line. C, all of these choices, all these are, choices correct. are correct. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Surprising. Yeah. Matching network is uh, matching the antenna to the feed line. I see. What is the approximate bandwidth of a Pactor 3 signal at maximum data rate? A, 500 hertz, B, 2300 hertz, C, 1800 hertz, D, 31.5 hertz. D, 31.5 hertz? No. It's B, 2300 hertz. Yeah, it's basically single sideband. You can can just remember it as single sideband. Single sideband is about like 2400 hertz. All right. 
Uh, the last question I'm going to do today. Yeah, the last question is which symbol in figure G seven dash one represents a signal? It's a figure one. Yeah, Zener diode oh. A symbol five, which is there's like a map. You got to click the little thingy. What? You see? Uh, there's the, a map. Yeah. Do you see the schematic? Yeah, I see it. Okay. Yeah. Um, symbol. I just I just want you to look at the schematic because you know so much about the components that are. Okay. Okay. Uh, B is symbol one, which is a sideways triangle and a thick line. C is symbol 11, which is uh, an arrow going to a squiggly line. And then D is (laughs) symbol four, which is an arrow pointing up at a horizontal line and then a curved plate. <laughs> this is great. I'm gonna go with D symbol four. No, it's A symbol five, which was a what looks like an arm, <laughs> two arms over a dress. <laughs> <I> just <laughs> over a dress. Yeah, it's a triangle. <laughs> over a dress. Yeah, <laughs> that's a Zener diode. Okay, it's it's a girl doing the a, running a, a TikTok arms. dance. Yeah, it's a running arms. Got it. Yeah, I mean that's. That's that's the reference we need. Is uh, that'll really Zener get people? Diode. Zener Diode. It's a TikTok cam person doing a TikTok. Dance. No, it's like headless though. It's just the arms and the dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a goth TikToker yeah. doing a TikTok dance. Is what you're saying? Oh man, I'm tired. <laughs> what is happening today? Well, we're in trouble right now because uh, I decided to uh, talk about bonus points for field day. Bonus points for field day. So that's the show topic today. And uh, this is actually going to be a long talk from me. So, oh man, yeah. So this, 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 you know, this could be a competitor of of long podcast. Dumb. First, I want to mention and remind everybody: I'm going to be in Huntsville. And so are a ton of your favorite YouTubers. We're all going to be in Huntsville. I know that there is a ton of YouTubers that are going to be staying in the Monticello or Monticello campgrounds. Like a ton. Oh. And, and I'll be there for a little bit. Bad OPSEC giving away. No, no. They, they want everybody to know because <laughs> there's, still, there's still places for people to go if they want to stay there because the hotels are all full. Oh, no. Yeah, the hotels are, I mean, the hotel, the adjacent hotel, Huntsville. the hotel on site. Um, I, I I do have a hotel that's, you know. Of course you do, fancy pants. I just ordered early. That's all I did. I just, uh-huh. I knew it was going to be hot. So I came in hot and I got a hotel room. Regardless of what your wife had to say. Regardless of what my wife had to say. That's right. I just knew, Josh, you know, just got to get that room. Uh, Josh, but anyway. Leia's going to come around like she always does. <laughs> so that you know what's funny about that is that's why I ordered it with just the king bed. I just just the king bed. Just just the king bed. Really enjoy that. Yeah, and actually when I get there I'm going to see if I can like swap it for like a queen bed because I think Adam's going to try and stay KCKRK is going to try and stay Got in, it. in the room. It's like I feel bad. It's like I don't want to sleep on the floor. I should probably call him and see if I can swap it. Maybe that's something I can do. M- maybe you could. Maybe. I think I can work that out. Okay, so anyway, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the YouTubers Ham Fest last week. That was a lot of fun to put together. A lot, though. Man, a lot. 
lot of time, a lot of effort. You know, I, I live stream every week and then every other week with Ham Nation and I still put out videos and stuff like that. But then to have it, to do it and coordinate with everybody, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'm a, I guess I'm a bit more experienced than some other folks, but everybody put in just a top-notch effort. And if you haven't watched all those videos, you really should. The playlists are still up. Uh, my playlist is still there. Please go watch all the videos. I think you'll really enjoy them. And I, and I highly recommend them. But okay, so we're talking about ham radio with regard to field day bonus points. So, like, what what is field day to you? Like, what what does that mean? When we say field day, we've been talking about it a couple <clears throat> of weeks. What does that mean? You're going out to make sure that mm-hmm. you are able to make contacts mm-hmm. uh outside of your ham shack i mean objectively yeah but i mean like how many contacts are you trying to make as many as possible okay good that's the key point okay very good so i'm just going to hit the objective really quickly to work as many and and by the way i'm going off of the arrl document as much as i can here because uh, i am not trying to give you wrong rules and uh, we'll put the show notes for the arrl pdf file for him uh the field day just so that there's no problems to work as many stations as possible on 160 80 40 20 15 and 10 meter hf bands as well as all bands 50 megahertz and above and in doing so to learn to operate in abnormal situations in less than optimal conditions a premium is placed on developing skills to meet and ch- meet the challenges of emergency preparedness as well as the as to acquaint the general public with the capabilities of amateur radio. So that's like the overarching goals of field day. Okay. It's, it's right. Like get out there, set up a station, make contacts. The public rolls up and, be, and asks you like, hey, what is even happening right now? That kind of thing. So here's how QSOs work, like on field day. If you make a phone contact, it's one point. So phone, f- like single sideband. Okay. AM. If we just talk over radio, one point. If it's a Morse code contact, two points. Oh. Okay. So already points. doubling your points. Points for dits and does. And I want you to keep in mind, like, I want you to keep in mind thinking about your husband as he's looking at this, like, what am I thinking when I'm looking at this? Okay? You're thinking you need to brush up on your CW. Well, hold on. Digital contacts count two points. Oh, why wouldn't you just do digital? So FT8, all that, well, FT8 technically takes longer than uh, a voice contact. Really? hmm How come? FT8 is... Um, 45 seconds to make a contact, generally. 15, 15, 30, 15, yeah, about about 45. About. A little bit longer. So, okay, here we go. So we're going we're gonna to break down the, the scaling of your stations now are immensely important to field day. Power multipliers. So here's the thing I don't think Leia and a lot of people understand is that so we, we're just saying, oh, yeah, you go set up in a, uh, a radio and an antenna in a park and you make contacts. Well, kind of. But there are bonus points available. 
and there are multipliers. So every one of those little points that I talked about for making a QSO, you can actually make a multiplier on them. Okay. Extra points. Ooh. The power multiplier that applies is determined by the highest power output of the transmitter used during field day operation. If all contacts are made using a power of 5 watts or less, so QRP, Leia, QRP, uh-huh, right? For heroes. Right. If a power source other than commercial mains or motor-driven generator is used, the power multiplier is 5. What? Five for doing QRP. Wow. Right. If all contacts are made using a power of five watts or less, but the power source is from a commercial mains or from a motor-driven generator, the power multiplier is two. If a battery, if batteries are charged during field day period using commercial mains or motor-driven generator, the power multiplier is two. Wow. So again, we're talking about This is a lot of points. Oh yeah, the, the, but there but there's like all they cover all these different parts of how you're going to power the station. Did you power these batteries from mains power? Did you power these batteries from solar? Like all this stuff is going to come out as we keep going. It's it's very interesting. So, hang tight. If any or all contacts are made using an output power of 150 watts or less, the power multiplier is 2. So you're stacking multipliers? Right. So you so we started out with phone contacts are 1 point each. But if you power your station off of non-mains power, those contacts are all worth two more. So every single sideband contact becomes two. If you run QRP, off-grid power, multiplier of five. Wow. Okay? Very important. If any or all contacts are made, and I got that, the power multiplier for an entry is determined by the maximum output power used by any transceiver used by complete or contact during the event. Example, a group has one QRP station running 3 watts and a second station running 100 watts. The power multiplier of 2 to all contacts made by the entire operation. So just because QRP stations get 5, if you have one operator with the radio running 100 watts, then you don't get 5 all the contacts huh as a group as a club okay okay so that's power multipliers so arguably and and so there's a reason why they give these multipliers qrp stations work their their butt off to make contacts during field day it's actually really difficult but it could be worth it because for every contact for example cw you're getting 10 points Two points for every CW contact or digital contact plus five watts multiplier if you're using off mains power. Wow. Right? Pretty good. Um, or that's just power output. We didn't even got to mains power yet. We'll talk about that in a second. So bonus points. So now we're getting into bonus points, and this is where I think you're going to have a little bit of fun. 
All stations are eligible for certain bonus points depending on their entry class. The following bonus points will be added to the score after the multiplier is applied. So multiplier being your power output. To determine the final field day score, bonus points will be applied only when the claim is made on the summary sheet and any proof required accompanies the entry or is received via email or normal mail delivery. So you have to account for your um, your bonus points as you're accruing them. How do you prove? Well, Leah, I'm glad you asked because here we go. <laughs> there are a lot of these, and so I hope everybody's buckled up. 100% emergency power is a bonus point, Okay. Okay. You get 100 points, and this is this just gets added to your score at the end. 100 bonus points per transmitter classification if all contacts are made only using an emergency power source up to a total of 20 transmitters for a total of 2,000 points. Wow. So if a club is running 20 alpha, meaning 20 transceivers, running as a club, as an alpha station, and they're running purely emergency power, that is an extra 2,000 points on their score. Wow. Right off the top. That's how you win. This is how you win. And, and now here we go. Hang on, Leah. Media publicity. What? 100 bonus points. May be earned for attempting to obtain publicity from the local media. A copy of a press release or a copy of the actual media publicity received, newspaper, article, etc., must be submitted to claim the points. So wait a minute. Available if you to all classes. Post a YouTube video, does that count? Well, we're getting to that. We haven't got to the social media yet. Oh, so social media is separate from regular mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Public location. Oh. 100 bonus points for physically locating the field day operation in a public place, i.e. shopping center, park, school campus, etc. Walmart's on the air. The intent is for amateur radio to be on display to the public. This is available to classes A, B, and F. And we talked about classes last week. So this is portable classes, Uh club classes, all that stuff. Public information table, 100 bonus points. What? Bonus points for a public information table at Field Day site. The purpose is to make an appropriate handout in information available to the public at the site. A copy of a visitor's log, copy of club handouts, or photos is sufficient evidence for complaining or, or claiming the bonus. Available to classes A, B, and F. Okay. okay. Public table. Message originating to section manager. 100 bonus points. Wait, what? Okay. 100 bonus points for originating of a formal message to the ARRL section manager or section emergency coordinator by your group from its site. You should include the club name, number of participants, field day location, a number of ARIES operators involved in your station. The message must be transmitted during field day period, and a copy of it must be included in your um, submission in standard ARRL radiogram or no credit will be given. 
the message must leave or enter field day operation via amateur radio RF. Huh. Okay. Right? Message handling. 10 points for each formal message originating. Relayed or received and delivered during field day period. Up to a maximum of 100 points or 10 messages. Copies of each message must be included with the field day report. The message to the ARRL SM or SEC under Rule 7.35 does not count towards the original or the total 10 for the bonus. Available to all classes, all messages claimed for bonus points must leave or enter field day operation via amateur radio RF. So that, remember all those radiograms you got? Yeah. You, If you handle traffic during field day, you get bonus points. Okay, so everything we're talking about is what you do if you're planning, like, a really active field day. Like, if you just want to go out and make contacts, that's great. But this is like gaming the system. This is how you pull extra points out of out of doing field day. Just set up a table. Set up a table. <laughs> and we're, we're getting to some of the good ones now. Satellite QSO. 100 points. Bonus points for successfully completing at least one QSO via amateur radio satellite during the field day period. Okay, you get 100 bonus points for making one satellite QSO through a satellite. Through a satellite, any satellite. Now, at that point, after you get the bonus points, every subsequent satellite contact you make is just... um, one point because it's voice okay at that point but you get 100 bonus points for doing that alternate power okay 100 bonus points for field day groups making a minimum of five qso's without using power from commercial mains or a petroleum driven generator this means alternate sources such as solar wind methane or water or a converted bicycle running an alternator that you're pedaling. Oh my gosh. If you make so contacts funny. that way, that counts too. And people have done that. That's an actual thing people do. So by the way, most of the time that I do field day, I run off battery power and solar power. So I quantify as alternate power. So I get a hundred bonus points generally. W1AW bulletin, 100 bonus points for copying the special field day bulletin transmitted by W1AW or K6 kph which is a california uh, call sign during its operation scheduled during field day weekend so what this is is this is a bulletin that gets sent out in morse code and you copy that bulletin and if you submit that with your logs you get 100 bonus points for it for taking the traffic so it's 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 a whole like emergency preparedness weekend right there's a schedule built around when these bulletins come out you capture these bulletins, copy them, you can put them out, and, and you can get extra points for them. Educational activity bonus. Ooh. One 100-point bonus may be claimed if your field day operation includes a specific educational-related activity. The activity can be diverse and must be related to amateur radio. It must be some type of formal activity. It can be repeated during field day period, but only one bonus is earned. For more information, consult the FAQ, and then they give you more information. Okay, here we go. This is some of the fun ones. 
site visitation by an elected government official. 100 what? points. Okay, so the 100-point bonus may be claimed if your field day site is visited by an elected government official as the result of an invitation issued by your group. This is available to all classes. So before, How many officials can you get points for? One. Uh, Just one. All right. But, but hear me out. So a lot of the other ones are, are for like clubs, club um, people that are operating as a club or portable or whatever that mm-hmm. are outside. This is the only one where you can technically just invite somebody to come to your house and get like 100 points. <laughs> so just invite an elected official to come have a beer with you and then like sit in your ham shack and go like, yeah, this is my radio. Okay, get out. Yeah, our mayor pro Tom will come over yeah, and do our, it. Yeah, been, come on, hang He's out. been dying to come over and check out your ham I could, shack. I could technically do an educational. I could get educational with him because I could show him radio. Yeah, and do yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Site visitation by a representative of an agency. One, and it's a 100-point bonus. You can only have one. May be claimed if your field day site is claimed by a representative of an agency served by the Aries in your local community, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, or local emergency management, law enforcement, etc. As a yeah, result he of would an do, invitation. He would do both. Double, double yeah. duty. Two, yeah. 200 points. I, I don't know that that's possible, but you know, whatever. Site visitation by a representative. We got that. Okay. So go to bonus. So here's the cool thing. Get on the air station. Remember we talked about like uh-huh. you set up a station and you say, you say, hey, use this. Get on the air. We want you to talk on this this thing. Go to bonus. Class A and class F stations. So that's your club station. And I believe that is portable. Stations operating a go to station may earn the following bonus points. When a go to station operator successfully completes 20 QSOs, which isn't like a small order, if you just grab some Joe off the street and be like, make 20 contacts now, they get an additional 20 bonus points upon uh, on top of the 20 they made. You gotta have skills. Upon reaching an additional 20 QSOs, the same operator receives a second 20 bonus points to a maximum of 100 bonus points per GOTA operator. That is like hardcore get-on-the-air station operator. But it pays off. Pays off big. An operator may make more than uh, 100 QSOs, but the QSOs over 100 do not qualify for the additional bonus points. Fair enough. Additional GOTA operators may earn the GOTA bonus points under this rule up to a maximum of 500 bonus wow so if you had like some off the street go to operators and they were just busting cues they made a hundred qsos each they all got 100 bonus points up to a maximum of 500 for five people which is pretty insane i don't know that anybody's totally capitalized on that but that's pretty awesome a single go-to operator must complete all 20 QSOs required before the bonus is earned. There is no partial credit. Sure. Okay. So, yeah. Bonus points. A little wild, right? It's kind of yeah. like gaming. It's, it's, a, it's a game within a game. It is basically telling you what the ARRL's objectives are, though. Literally. It is literally telling you, un, uh, completely unveiled on the sleeve picture of what they view as important. Yep. Get on the air, um, satellite, reach out to people, 
that are, are pillars of the community, mm-hmm. science experimentation, and totally be ham radio dude in front of the public. Yep. Normalizing ham radio in mm-hmm. every one of these steps is mm-hmm. literally what they're saying. And I'm just saying it, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. But Dave has been saying it for years. This has been in the rules forever. Beta Bilarel is like, listen to us. We, we're trying to get more hams. The future of the bands depends on it. What, what's the... Uh, what's Help the me, from? Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi. You're my only hope. But for bands, like, how would we turn that into bands? Help me, hams. You're the band's only hope. <laughs> Something like that. But instead of, like, R2-D2... It's like a seventy three hundred. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a hand. It's is it? Uh, you take uh, Leia like bent it, over because Leia's got this whole scene where she's bent over. It's tactical trash can. <laughs> oh, li- it's got the 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 RFI trash can with the lid, and there's a G ninety yeah. sticking out of it. <gasps> Did I just make a shirt? Did you just make a shirt? Amazing. Did you make a shirt? Things really happen live. Oh you know? man, that's pretty good. I really like that. Well, everybody, I think that's going to do it. Uh, bonus points are a fantastic part of field day. And if you're in a club, so here, here's my, um, here's what I would say with, with clubs. If anybody's listening to this and you are, you are inundated by being the field day person, delegate, delegate, delegate. I would give you. Uh, I would figure out how to make a champion for specific large problems that you're dealing with for bonus points. I would delegate somebody to figure out who is going to be the POC, which is point of contact for every one of these uh, bonus points. I would challenge them to find a belly button for every one of these bullet points. If they can't, Did that's you say okay. A belly button? Yeah, a human being. You never use those terms? No. Oh man, yeah, I use those terms all the time at work. I need a belly you button say for this. Belly button? Yeah, at work? I need a. I need a. Yes, I need. No is that wonder a, is that you not have comfy? to do harassment training. Is that not comfy? Is that not comfy? <laughs> very uncomfy. Is that not comfy? I think maybe you are having to do harassment training more than the average bear. He, he needs to. <laughs> he, he needs to stop. Belly button. You know what's funny is I'm sitting through over an hour of this, and they never mentioned belly button once. <laughs> I think that's just the path Seems of fine. good management. <laughs> is what I'm hearing right here. No, seriously, for anybody who's literally dealing with a daunting task, uh, get a, get a, assign somebody as your uh, antenna person. Somebody who's going to not assemble all the antennas, but um, get, kind of coordinate with the POCs of antennas. Assign someone as band coordinator. Assign someone as food coordinator. Assign someone as bonus point coordinator. Food and coordinator. Then, yeah, right? She's, laying her, she's Leia's raising her hand. Assign people based off of like an overarching concept of responsibility and then have them drive down to the POCs, which is or the primary person that you're gonna you're gonna coordinate with. Um, that's the way to do it, I think, from my point of view. So yeah. We'll leave you at that. I hope this was fun. I hope this was insightful. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. We have a lot of fun making it, and the fact you listen and send us feedback means a lot to us. So if you made it this far, consider dropping a little review on iTunes and sending an email to Leia at hamtactical.com and uh, send us your comments, your questions, and your merch ideas. We'd love to hear it. Leia, any uh, 
points to go out on? No, 73. Okay. With that said, 73.